This is an Age of Sigma podcast, which may contain explicit language. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 7 of Mortally Wounded. Today I'm joined by a special guest, he's not new to the show, he's been on before, so please welcome Liam Burnett-Blue. Hey everyone. So yeah, with Liam I thought I'd get him on today because we are going to do So You Want to Play Sylvaneth, and we're going to talk all things Sylvaneth with the new GHB 2017, and we'll assume that there's people listening that haven't played before, that are new to the game, that don't know what Sylvaneth are, so we'll run through kind of who Sylvaneth are, how they work generally as a faction, their playstyle, we'll run through their command traits, their artefacts, their spell lore, that sort of thing. We won't go into super, super detail in that because obviously they have been out for quite a long time now, um, but we'll do an overview of that generally, what things you should be aware of playing Sylvaneth and playing against Sylvaneth. Um, and then really what we're going to do today is we're going to talk through the changes that GHB 2017 has brought in, in terms of the points changes mainly for match play go through the things that have gone up, the things that have come down, um, obviously cover that battalions across the board have gone up. And then we're also going to just go through the battalions and kind of the impact that those points changes have on Sylvaneth in the competitive scene in terms of which battalions you can play. And then we're going to run through a number of lists actually um, to show that, do you know what, with the new changes, Sylvaneth are actually quite a varied faction now, um, and hopefully we won't just see what we have seen generally over the last year or so in the competitive scene, which has been, if you play Sylvaneth, you're playing Nalru. Which, allegiance. hopefully, I, I actually don't think that's the case anymore. Um, no. Personally, myself, I've got quite a few lists that are not Nalru at all. Um, I probably won't ever really run Nalru, um, and I, I think I'll be better for it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, we'll just crack on straight away. So who are the Sylvaneth? Liam, do you want to go through who the Sylvaneth are? Um, so pretty much they are part of the Wood Elves, like in the old world. They used to be part of the Wood Elves, now they're no longer, they're in their own faction. And they are pretty much forest spirits, from what I have read. Um, I haven't read full on the lore, I haven't read full on like the story behind them. I got into Sylvaneth by looking at the models, by the rule of cool. Um, they are an army that are well known for tricky movement, if you read through their um, allegiance abilities. And um, yeah, and the Wildwoods are a very key thing, so they're one of the first armies that make terrain pieces very vital. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's probably the key. One of the key things to talk about is how Sylvaneth work, is they generally, their whole army revolves around Sylvaneth Wildwoods, which. Um, made up of the Games Workshop Citadel wood bases and the whole army has a number of ways of kind of getting those wildwoods onto the table and a wildwood can consist of between one to three Citadel wood bases and um, now each base has to be placed within one inch of each other base yep. so if you place the maximum of three you need to be able to place each one of the three bases so that they're within one inch of both of the other two yeah so it's a um, clump which yeah like a clump which has been clarified in the FAQs um so it's it's generally quite hard, I guess, to find enough table space if you've got appropriate levels of terrain, kind of 10 to 12 pieces on the table, to be able to put down a clump of three. Um, yeah. Because most of the time you have to put them... The closest you can ever go, really, is within one inch of terrain or yeah. models. Um, so you will be restricted. But the great thing is, if you take any kind of pure Sylvaneth Allegiance army, you get to place a Wildwood at the start of the battle for free 
um, before either player sets up. So you get to um, place that on the table anywhere as long as the, all of the bases are more than one inch away from um, other terrain features. Yeah, which is pretty powerful, um, especially... In my mind, I feel like a lot of the models have been pointed with the Wildwoods in mind. Yeah, definitely. It's something that quite a few people that maybe have played against Silvaneth a lot um, think that it's stupid and that it's overpowered. But I think, to be honest, it's just because it's not a mechanic that you see with any other army. It's something different and unique, and it does have some great rules, but people can be quite quick to get carried away with saying, oh, this is broken, this is stupid, just because it's different. Um, but I think... It, if you are actually someone that plays Sylvaneth or you sit down and you kind of compare the unit War Scrolls point for point compared to other allegiances, um, kind of Chaos, Death, Destruction, um, all the rest of Order, to be honest, if you look at them, you will see that they are actually quite expensive um, on a War Scroll basis if you don't include what the Wildwoods do. Um, because it's safe to say almost every single unit in the book has some sort of buff to be near a wildwood. Um, if you take Spirits of Death, if they're within three inches of a wildwood, they get D3 extra attacks on the Guardian Sword. Um, Dryads and Branch Wraiths are minus one to hit if they're within three inches of a wildwood. Um, I'm pretty sure all of the buffs are within three yep. of and, a wildwood. Um, some of the command traits are all about getting through the wildwoods quicker. Yeah, well. um, that's the other key thing, really, in terms of how Sylvaneth play as an army. The wildwoods, as we've said, are key. Um, and that's kind of reflected in their battle traits. So the, the first trait is the Wildwood Groves, which is about placing the Wildwood on the table at the start of the game. The second one is Forest Spirits, which is instead of setting up a Sylvaneth unit or a battalion, uh, you can place it to one side and say that it's part of, the, uh, part of your army, but it's hidden in one of the enclaves. And in any of your movement phases, you can transport the unit or the battalion to the battlefield. Um, and when you do so, you set up all the models within three of a Sylvaneth Wildwood and more than nine inches from the enemy, and that's their move. So what's important there is if you do that, you start your units off the table. When you bring them to the table, every single wow. model in that unit has to be placed within three inches of a Wildwood. So you can't kind of string them out if you choose to deploy them that way. Uh, yeah, but when you navigate, though, you're allowed to. Yeah, so what Liam's saying there is the other ability that Sylvaneth gain is navigate realm routes. Um, and with that is, if a Sylvaneth unit is within three inches of a wildwood at the start of any of your movement phases, you can attempt to kind of travel the spirit paths through that wildwood instead of moving normally. Yeah. And what you do is you remove it from the battlefield and then you set it up within three inches of a different wildwood. Mm -hmm. um, and the key with that is it has to be a completely separate wildwood, not just a different Citadel wood base from the same from wildwood the side, yeah. it has to be completely different and again they have to be set up more than nine inches away from enemy models so you can't use it to get right up close you can't use it to kind of get into combat or anything like that no. generally games workshops seem to be kind of setting nine inches no as way. the norm yeah. um for any kind of unit that can set up or teleport it generally is nine inches away so it's quite consistent um especially with the new changes they've been doing that more and more with war scrolls so it balances it across the factions which is quite good yeah. um because yeah all of the sylvaneth rules are more than nine away no um but the key with navigate realm routes is if you're doing it as part of your movement phase rather than set up There's you just risk. have to place the unit within three inches now that's the unit which means only one model needs to be within three, three. Yeah. so if you're doing that you can actually string out units um, which can be really useful to just kind of teleport a unit maybe from a wildwood in your deployment zone through to one maybe in the middle of the board and then put one model within three and then string out a line all the way across potentially to the other board edge um, yeah. as long as you're nine inches away with every single part of that unit yeah 
Um, but there's also a risk when you navigate, though. Um, so when you navigate, you have to roll a d6 after you travel. Um, this is all units, um, including tree lords. Um, except for the first one, if you roll a 1, they are stuck and they can't do anything for the rest of your turn. Um, on a 2 to 5, they're safe and they get to stay where they are. And on a roll of a 6 up, um, you, get to tra you get to move again. So if you travel through and you're 9 inches away, and then you roll that 6, that is possibly a Durfu or a Trio Ancient moving another 5 inches, so now they're 4 inches away from the enemy models, and they can pretty much get right into combat, and same with Cone of Hunters and stuff. Yep. They're really great. Um, and there's only a few units in... Um, there's only one unit in the whole Silver Nerf collection um, that actually don't need to travel through Navigate Realm Roots, and we'll discuss that in, well, in the future of the podcast because it's also really helpful to get to places as well. Yeah. Um, but Tree Lords and Tree Lord Ancients and Durfus don't um, suffer when you roll a 1. They get treated as a 2 to 5 instead. Yeah, so you can never not do anything again, which means that you can always attempt that 9-inch charge. charge. Um, but what's also key is with Spirits of Durfus, they have a shooting attack, as do Tree Lord Ancients, actually. I think they all have a shooting attack, yeah. which means you can always teleport 9 away. You'll always be able to shoot, well, and then something. you can attempt the kind of the 9-inch charge. Yeah. Um, and if you roll that six, as Liam said, you, you get to move again. So that generally they all have a move of five. So you can attempt that four inch charge if you can move, um, which is really cool. Um, and it makes the army really kind of fun to play. You get really good control of the board um, through your Wildwoods because people will be scared of your Wildwoods. And the reason for that is the special rules the Wildwoods have. Um, they have a couple. So the main one is... Uh, they're sort of like deadly terrain, but not quite as punishing on your opponent. Yeah, it's not quite So bad. basically, you roll a dice for each model that makes a run or charge move across or finishes on a Sylvaneth Wildwood, and on a one, that model dies. But you don't roll for Sylvaneth models, monsters, or heroes, yeah. um, in terms of the keywords. And then the other rule that they have is roused by magic, because generally the Sylvaneth are quite a magical army, mm. um, and also the Wildwoods are kind of... They're kind of trees that come alive, um, and they're yeah they they start hitting your enemies. Yeah, they start attacking nearby non-Sylvaneth um, when kind of magic goes off near them. So you roll a dice whenever a spell is cu successfully cast within six inches of a wildwood. So that's not just spells that are cast by you; it's spells that are cast by your opponent mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter if that spell is unbound afterwards, as long as it's cast. You roll a dice, and on a five or more, the forest gets roused by the magic, and all units within one inch of that Sylvaneth wildwood suffer d3 mortal wounds but sylvaneth units never get attacked by the woods so given that the citadel wood base is quite large especially if you have if you manage to get a clump of three of them or even do a line of two or a, yeah two in a line you can cover quite a lot of board space so if you're playing a magic heavy army that needs to kind of get near objectives but wants to cast spells for buffs or even if it's just an arcane bolt to kind of try and hit one of your characters if you can put your wild woods at the start of the game on the objectives or in key po key positions where where they need to be once they start casting magic like Zinch for example if they have a very magic heavy army or yeah. even Seraphon now you're going to see um, probably yeah, a lot more magic, on the tables yeah. with Skink Priests and, um, and Slan casting three spells a turn it's something that there's going to be a lot of magic going off and every single time they cast a spell and you cast a spell which is a great thing you've got a one in three chance that that's just going to do d3 mortal wounds to every non-Sylvaneth unit within one yeah. um, and with quite a big footprint that can actually start racking up and doing a lot of additional damage Yeah. Um, and then again because of that role, that rule where it counts as deadly terrain to normal models you can again bunker down in your Sylvaneth Wildwoods on an objective knowing that when you get charged every single model if it's not a hero or a monster or another Sylvaneth model there's a one in six chance they're just going to die 
Yeah. Um, and the important thing to note for that is that you roll for each model. So if a unit has things like champions or banner bearers or musicians, that you need to roll separately for those because it is the specific model that dies. Yeah, it is. So if you have a unit of brutes, for example, charge at you, you have to do and the, boss. the champion rolls a one, that champion is gone. It's not just a normal brute. The same yeah. with the brute holding kind of a gargant hacker or, the, uh, sorry, a jagged gore hacker. That would that would be the brute that you take off. Um, yeah. Now, there are ways around that, just to be aware of. Um, a lot of people are used to playing Sylvaneth now, so one thing you'll notice is if you... If you put your if you're playing Sylvaneth and you put your models too close to the edge, so that an enemy unit can complete a charge with it by half moving the first model within half an inch, they don't actually have to move the other models in their unit into that wood on the charge. They can use their three inch pylon to come into combat with you to to effectively reduce the number of models they have to do taking the test because it's only run and charge moves across your woods. Yeah. So um, that's just another little thing to uh, be aware of that you'll see players doing tactically um, in terms of their charge rolls and things like that. So that's what the Wildwoods do, and that is essentially the Sylvaneth command traits and special abilities and how the kind of the army is designed to function, basically, with most of the units gaining a benefit from those Wildwoods and placement of those Wildwoods being key. Um, so then, obviously, Sylvaneth as a specific faction have a set of specific command traits. Uh, they also have their own spell law, and then, as you'd expect, they have artefacts and magic items and a couple of named characters which are pretty cool yeah well. and some named characters um we'll just quickly go through the command traits so you've got realm walker which lets you add two to the dice result when you navigate the realm routes making it more likely that you will get up. yeah on a four up that you'll basically be able to move again which that's, is really cool that's pretty scary if you make a derfu your general and he just travels through yeah you can right. basically if you can get a wood in your deployment zone and another wood um sort of turn one you could teleport derfu fairly commonly nine inches away from the opponent if you roll a four up he can then move and you're a four inch charge away from a turn one charge with the spirit of death which is quite nasty um second one is probably the most common one you will see which is gnarled warrior and your general basically gets to ignore rend one yeah uh, which is really cool gift of garan your general gets to heal one wound in each of your hero phases or d3 if they're within mm, three of a sylvaneth wildwood so again just kind of emphasizing how useful the wildwoods are Lord of Spites, you get to re-roll the first failed hit roll in each phase. So that can be quite useful if you're using, say, a Tree Lord Ancient with its Doom Tendril Staff, because it's only one, one attack. attack. Yeah. Um, I think it hits on three, uh, it hits, hits on, on twos. twos. But just in case you roll that one, lets you re-roll it, and then you also get to re-roll one of his combat phase attacks. Um, War Singer, you get to add one to any charge rolls made for friendly Sylvaneth units that are within 10 inches of your general. So this could be potentially quite useful if you want to go with a, an aggressive army. Um, as we've said, you can teleport most of your army to 9 inches away. That suddenly makes a 9 inch charge an 8 inch charge. Um, and then the final one is Wisdom of the Ancients, which is all friendly Sylvaneth units within 10 in the Battleshock phase get to add one to their bravery. So it just makes the army slightly more resilient against yeah. battle. Um, and then we come on to the spell law, which is the Deepwood spell law. Um, so each wizard in a Sylvaneth army gets to know an additional spell from this law. Um, and there's six spells. Um, Liam, do you want to chat through them? Yeah, so pretty much they also have in the book a quick hint and tip with one of the spells, which we'll explain when we get there. Um, so you've got Throne of Vines. So casting value 5, and you um, can add D3 to all future castings or unbinding rolls until their next move. Um, this is super helpful when you need a buff a wizard to get up to another certain spell, um, especially when you have battalions like Naru, where you get to cast two spells, which we'll talk about in the future um, talk in the podcast. Uh, the most 
popular one, Regrowth. Again, casting value of five, and you get to pick a friendly silver, a friendly unit within 18 inches. Um, when unit you pick, heals D3 wounds. If the unit is a Sylvaneth unit, though, um, you get to heal D6 wounds instead. Now, I've also mentioned one model or um, in the unit, you get to heal D3 due to you can add in other non-Sylvaneth models into your force. Um, Verdant Blessing, casting value of six. Um, you get to set up a new wildwood within 18 inches of the caster and not within one inch of any other model or terrain feature. Um, the Reaping. The Reaping has a casting value of 6 and all enemy units within 3 inches suffer D3 mortal wounds. So it's good for like a little quick if your hero or your wizard is stuck in multiple um, combats with units, you get to do a quick arcane bolt to each one of them. Um, the Dweller's Bellow. Casting value is 7. Pick an enemy unit within 10 inches of the caster, roll a dice for each model in that unit. You picked, the unit suffers a model wound on a roll of a 6, which is pretty good if it's a horde army. Um, I mean, not like a horde unit. And the last but not least, Tree Song, which is quite fun if you have a bit of space on the board. Has a casting value of 7. If it's cast, pick a Sylvanef Wild within 10 inches of the caster. It's immediately activated, so they get Brow, so they, um, any enemy models within it suffer D3 mortal wounds. After you do that, you can roll a 2d6 and they get to move um, move the wildwood to any direction you'd like. Um, the big hidden tip is if you don't actually have wildwoods on the board, if you haven't, if you're starting Sylvaneth, I wouldn't recommend picking the spell because it's quite useless if you don't have it. That's just a little hint and tip. Um, I myself would used to use that spell because I thought it was quite a bit fun and cheeky just to move a wildwood, especially when you have models on it. So I had a Durfu used to be on it, and I got him to move almost 20 inches one turn thanks to that spell. Yeah, because so the, the key thing with that is it says that um, you get to move the Wildwood in any direction up to the distance you roll, but it can't move within three inches of enemy, enemy models or terrain. Yeah. So generally, I think now you'll find it quite hard to actually be able to use mm -hmm. Tree Song to move a particular wood very far. Unless it's one, it's base, one base, you might be able to move it a fair way. Um, but generally, boards, I think, with, to not be able to move within three inches of another terrain feature it's or a wood means you won't be able to move them too much. Um, but if you can move one, any units that are wholly within the Wildwood, which means that if it's a unit with multiple models, every single model has to be in there and every single part of that model's base it's has to be it. fully within that wood for them to move. Um, and but, that includes enemy models as well. Yeah, but if a unit is only partially within the Wildwood, the Wildwood can't move at all. Yeah. Um, but it means that you can either do it to move your own units or you can just use it to activate a wood for free. Yeah. when you've If you've got a wood on the objective with your units in it that are claiming that objective once your enemy comes to you to try and f clear you out so that they can claim that objective you can just cast this spell on there set off the wood for sure and then just do d3 mortal wounds to each of them and then if you're within six inches of it on a five up you get to it do goes it again. off again yeah so, so it's pretty um, brutal it's really cool and yeah it's the again with the names and stuff like the dwellers below is kind of the reference to the old world it's an old spell that used to be there so that's quite cool um and yeah, as Liam pointed out, regrowth is useful because especially now that allies are involved and you can bring in units from um, other armies. So I guess while we're talking about it, Sylvaneth, the two um, factions that can ally with Sylvaneth are Stormcast Eternals and Wanderers. So if you include any S Stormcast units or Wanderer units, you could heal D3 wounds on those, um, but your Sylvaneth units heal D6. So most of the time you'll see people casting regrowth on Tree Lord Ancients or Spirits of Death or yeah. Alarial if they're there. Also, Verdant Blessing's a definite must-have I like to add in due to... It's just, you get a summon... If you don't have a Tree Lord Ancient anymore and you don't have that 4-up to summon, you can yep. summon another Wildwood. 
as yeah. well. You'll soon see that we'll talk about there's a lot of ways to get Wildwoods on the board due to, as we mentioned, it is super effective with this army and they do need it. Yeah, as you said, that the Sylvaneth really operate around the Wildwoods. So the more Wildwoods you can have on the board, really, the better it is for you. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say, the only caveat for that is if you're running a list with Alarial, just be careful about placing too many Wildwoods because although she can move 16 inches, you will quickly find if you flood the board with Wildwoods, you actually won't be able to move her very far because her base is so massive that you can't move within the spaces that the trees occupy in those Wildwoods. Yeah. So if you can't fit her base, then she can't go there, just like any enemy model. Um, so I've played a game, the first time I used Alarial, I flooded the board with Wildwoods and found that actually the only place I could move was four inches in front of me because every other place was blocked by trees so there was no point um so actually it's verdant blessing is a key spell as liam said because you will want to be able to set up more wildwoods um but just also be careful that you're thinking about it when you place them in terms of have a strategy where you want to move models why you're putting that wildwood there you can use them just setting up one wood can be really handy as just kind of a teleport pad that you plan on using in later turns just to quickly transport a unit through it to move it up the board um, and then bigger bases of units generally try and reserve to kind of wrap objectives as much as you can so that you can create bunkers around objectives really and make your make your forces stronger because obviously those wildwoods count as cover for you if you can get your units fully within them mm. um, and then if your enemy comes to you they in those deadly. woods every time you're casting magic you have a potential of setting them off and again they count as deadly if they want to charge you into them so yeah. um, they're really cool so that's all the spells um, so then we move on to the artifacts. Um, so Liam, do you want to just quickly chat through those? Yeah, no problem. So there's two different types. There's magical and arcane. Magical are for all Sylvaneth heroes, and arcane are for Sylvaneth wizards. Um, so we'll go through the magical ones. So this is the ones that can go to all of them, including Durfu and stuff. Um, if you're new to Age of Sigma, these ones, artifacts don't be given or traits be given to named characters. So if you have any ideas about buffing Alarial or Dryker, you sadly cannot. Um, so these are just for all the generic heroes for Sylvaneth. Yep, so that would be a Tree Lord Ancient, a Spirit of Death, a Branch Witch, or a Branch Wraith. Um, so we've got number one is Death Reaper. So pick one of the hero's melee weapons, um, and when you're making attacks with this weapon, any rune rolls of a six or more have rend minus four. This is actually a bit of fun. Um, it kind of gets scary when you have a Durfu with it. I've had a go with it before, and it is quite brutal. Um, strength six, minus four rend. It's just going to chop through a lot. It's, um, it's maybe worth pointing out as we're here... Obviously, it says any wind rolls of a six or more. Now, within Sylvaneth, there is no way to buff that wind roll to add plus one to it. Um, within Order, there is only one way that I'm aware of to actually increase your wind roll, and that's using a battle mage um, yeah. from the Collegiate Arcane. Um, and you have to take the the beast, the Law of Beasts, effectively mage, um, as you can pick a unit within eighteen, and they gain plus one to wound. Yeah, which is. But they are not an ally for Sylvaneth. So the only way you can actually get them into... There are two battalions within Sylvaneth that would actually let you take that, um, which is Naru and Winterly. Um, but we'll kind of come on to the reasons why you can include them in the Sylvaneth army later. Um, but just as a quick heads up about that item. Yeah, so the Oaken Armour, add one to save rolls made for this hero. So you will see that a lot on Tree Lords. Um, just the Durfu and the Tree Lord Ancient. Briar's Heath is... Briar's Sheath. Briar's Sheath, sorry, my bad. Um... <laughs> I'm terrible at pronouncing some of these. Um, so pretty much your opponents must subtract one from all hit rolls made against the Briar Sheaf Bearer. Sorry, Skyfires. Yeah, so those two items, um, something I probably would say is 
when Sylvaneth first came out and even really across the whole kind of first year, most lists that were in there, I guess the net list you would see is pretty much everyone had a Tree Lord Ancient or a Spirit of Durthu wearing the Oaken Armour. Yep. Um, I personally never took the Oaken Armour. I would always take a Briar Sheath. Um, and the reason for that is because in the game there's a lot of things that Sylvaneth... Like, there's a lot of things that hurt Sylvaneth because they inflict mortal wounds. Yep. Generally, Sylvaneth, your characters, they all have three up saves and the Tree Lord Ancient's command ability, which 90% of the time a Tree Lord Ancient's going to be your general, their command ability gives a 10-inch bubble, effectively, of reroll ones to armor save. Yep. So... Without even casting a Mystic Shield or anything like that, most of your Tree Lords or Spirits of Death who have the 3 plus save re-rolling ones, yeah. which is really good. So people would take Oaken Armor to give plus 2 up save re-rolling ones on one of them, then you could Mystic Shield the other, and you've got two big things that are 2 up save re-rolling ones. Yeah. That's great, but you have no Mortal Wound save in the army. Nothing yeah. in this army has a Mortal Wound save at all. Yeah. Um, now the things that are prolific in the game um, or certainly were and I even though they've gone up in points Skyfires I still think you will see quite a few of them Um, now every hit roll of a six or more with Skyfires with their great bows just does d3 mortal wounds so my argument is why increase your armor save against something that you get no save against whereas if you take a briar sheath your opponent has to subtract one from all hit rolls. So it's not just combat, it's shooting as well. Yep. So if someone comes at you with a unit of retributors, for example, that do two mortal wounds on every hit roll of a six or more, or bloodletters that are hitting six or more mm-hmm. immortal wounds, skyfires six or more immortal wounds to hit, you won't take any damage from those yeah. if you redu- if you ignore their ability to do mortal mm-hmm. wounds to you. And if you take Oaken Armour, sure, you can have that two-up save re-rolling ones, but the way they're going to hurt you is through Mortal Wounds. Mm. So personally, I would always take a Briar Sheath over Oaken Armour because that minus one to hit will actually keep you alive a lot longer than having plus one save because the things that will kill you don't care about your armour save. Yeah, so like I had a recent game where I was 27 Skyfires, um, and this is with the uh, old General Handbook where we're allowed to have two artefacts. Um, I duplicate artifacts. Duplicate, yeah. So I went up to the TO to double check that it's still the case, and he says, "Yeah, you're still allowed to do that." I'm like, "Cool, taking." So this was at a tournament playing under the old general handbook, handbook, just to confirm. Yeah. So I just went, "Cool, these both are going to have um, Briar Sheaf," and took down my opponent's shamans, and he had a really bad time because mortal wounds did not exist. However, though, there was other ways to buff up um, Sylvaneth, and due to with most armies that have that mortal wound ability. Most of the times when they, they can't hit, they don't do a lot of damage. And if, when they do, um, you can just heal with that regrowth solve that we mentioned about before. So there's always ways around that as well. Anyway. Yeah, so I mean, if, you, if, if we take Skyfires and a Tree Lord Ancient as an example for it, like just as an example, if you cast a Mystic Shield on your Tree Lord Ancient, you have a two-up save, three rolling ones. And, and that time's t- ignoring Ren minus one. And they ignore Ren one if they take Nailed Warrior as, their, as your general. Yeah. So... You've then got minus one to hit, so if Skyfires can't do any mortal wounds to you in their shooting phase, even if they charge you in combat with all of their attacks from their discs, they have rend one, which you ignore, so you will have a two-up save, re-rolling ones, you will not take any damage, and then you will tank those Skyfires, you could tank them all game, and if you get lucky on your hits, even with a 300-point Tree Lord Ancient that is not really designed for combat, you will beat Skyfires because you took Briar Sheath. If you take Oaken Armor, you're probably going to die turn one. Yep. And that's... So it makes a massive difference, um, and that's one of the things you should really look at 
the artifacts and the treasures and think what role is this unit playing in my army what do i need it to do do i is it the linchpin of my army do i need it to survive to buff units to cast spells to use my command ability um am i planning on using him later on in the game to do something yeah if that's the case and you need him to be survivable then you probably want to take the bright sheath because at the end of the day taking plus one save from Okanama when you can already do that through your magic by casting a mystic shield do you really need to do it? And yeah. especially now you can't duplicate items. You, one of your characters should be taking a bright sheath, um, yeah. ideally. And then maybe afterwards, if you have spare and you want some more fighting, take Okanama to, to mean that you've got two characters on that two-up save. But if it's a choice between the two, personally, I just think bright sheath is so much more valuable. Yeah. Um, there are other artifacts now. So Seed of Rebirth. The first time the bearer of this artifact loses its last wound, it immediately heals D3. I think that would just be a bit of fun. Um, just imagine like a dirt food, everyone's like tank, like trying to get him out of the table. Yeah. And then like after they do all that, he just heals D3. Yeah. And then he's just back on. And then again, regrowth him if he decides to survive yeah. by the end of that turn. I think that would be a bit of cheeky fun. It can um, be great as well because obviously, um, I think wounds all apply at the same time. So yeah. if you're being killed by one unit that applies all of its damage mm-hmm. and then you might, you put that into wounds, I think you effectively, if you did say... 10 wounds, if they did 10 wounds to you and you only had 3 left, once you lose that last wound, you've applied the 10 already, yeah. you lose that last wound, but then you come back with D3, so it means that you actually don't die yeah, against that back. unit, you're there for another phase, yeah. um, so it could be really useful, um, say if you were playing the old scenario of Gift from the Heavens or yeah. or the new scenario of um, Starstrike or Duality of Death the one with heroes that get to yeah, or, um, anything where being alive for a turn can deny your opponent just by having a model, model. for example. Yeah. Um, then it could be really useful. Uh, yeah. So I think I honestly find that just a bit of fun, just to annoy my opponent, just having a Durfu just healing back up. Um, so Ravestone, subtract one from bravery of all enemy units within ten inches of the bearer in the battle shot phase. Um, I feel like with the new drums handbook, bravery is key. Yeah. Um, it, I think we'll start seeing this a bit more. Yeah, if bravery is definitely key with the new drums handbook, the way um, horde armies and stuff trying to get rid of models really quick. Yeah. Um, Glamour weave is a really good one. So roll a dice each time this bearer suffers an unsaved wound or a mortal wound on a six, the wound is ignored. And as you mentioned before, um, when the things say six or more, it means there's a way to buff it. But the fact that this says on a roll of a six, there is no other way to buff this, so it's just a straight up six up um, ward save, well, yeah. six up and does a straight six ward save, which um, I think is really good in some situations, which we'll discuss. Yeah, I mean, you get it against all wounds and mortal wounds, wounds. so it's a six up guaranteed, no matter what, you'll get this save, yeah. um, and as we said before, there is no way other than this of having a save against mortal wounds in the army, so it, it definitely has a place. It's only a six up, but hey, if you put it on a 12 wound character, effectively you give them two extra wounds. Yeah, so that's good. it can be useful. Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly run through the arcane treasures then. So these can only be given to your wizards in your yeah. army. So probably the most common one you will see is Acorn of the Ages. Yeah. Um, and what this lets you do is once per game, in your hero phase, you get to set up a wildwood anywhere within five inches. It can't be set up within one inch of other models or terrain. But that's great. There's nothing your opponent can do about it. It's guaranteed. It's not reliant on dice rolls. It's not a spell, so they can't dispel it. It just happens. Um, it just happens. As long as that hero is alive in your hero phase and you've got the space to place the Wildwoods within five inches of them, you get free Wildwood. And as we've said, the whole army revolves around Wildwoods. So this is great. It's pretty much an auto-include if you've got the um, space for an item. And you just use it turn one. Yeah. I mean, turn one, you can basically, especially as you know, 
frog deployment, whether you're going to go first or second in terms of asking your opponent how many drops your armies have. If you know you can get first, you can set up your army in a way around a space, knowing you're just going to drop the acorn, turn one, have a wood in your deployment zone, for example. It also helps at the start of the game. You can, rather than necessarily set up your Sylvaneth Wildwood for free at the start of the game in the middle of the board, you can risk putting it in a deployment zone. Um, And then if you win that roll off, you can give that deployment zone to your opponent. And then they have a tough choice of going, oh, do I want to set up my army kind of Around it. here in this central space where you might have put the wood or off to the side, or do they want to avoid it because they don't want to take the wounds and then potentially split up their army or put themselves all in one corner. So there's plenty of things that you can do using that. And knowing that you can give yourself a wild wood in your deployment zone where you want one is really cool. Um, the next song is the War Song Stave. So the bearer knows the tree song spell in addition to any other spells it know. So this is all right. As we said, tree song you can use to move stuff but generally you can use it to just kind of do some extra wounds if you want it and because it's in addition it's okay the only restriction is although they get to know the extra spell there's nothing giving them the ability to cast an extra spell so you have a wizard that knows three spells but can only really cast one spell a turn unless they're in a null route which we'll go on to later Um, so generally I don't think you see this too often but it has its place the next most common I think is Moonstone of the Hidden Ways this is really cool, and I think you're starting to see it more and more often on Tree Lord, I, Tree Lord Ancients. It's good fun. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been using this a lot, to be honest, in all my games, and I actually really like doing it on a Tree Lord Ancient. Um, so once per game, instead of moving the bearer in the movement phase, you remove them from the battlefield, and you place them anywhere on the board that's more than four inches away from any enemy models. So this is really cool, because it lets you just put one of your characters, I, like I say, I do on a Tree Lord Ancient, which you can... He can be a general, so you could have him, say, ignoring Rend 1... Mystic Shielded with a two-up save, re-rolling ones. He's pretty much rocking up to combat. Ignoring Ren 1, he can just drop anywhere on the board, four inches away, whether that's contesting an objective or just to hold up a unit, um, which, again, we'll get onto in terms of holding up units and things that certain battalions in this army can do, um, which is really cool. Um, And it just gives you that flexibility to go, oh, I need to be here. How do I do that? I'll just teleport, and now I'm there. So that's really cool. Um, Ranu's Lamentiri is the next one so you get to add one to all casting rolls made by the bearer and if they attempt to cast a spell from the Deepwood spell law you get to add two so that's yeah. really cool it just makes your spells more reliable yeah so because the Deepwood spells we started seeing they were casting values of six or seven so it's just making them pretty much going on fours and fives yeah so it's really cool um, Hagbane Spy I, I don't think you see this one much to be honest um, but once per game instead of attempting to unbind which is why I think you don't see it much because you essentially go sure you can have that spell you're letting your opponent have a spell um, but after they cast that and resolving the spell's effects the caster immediately suffers d3 mortal wounds so again this could be useful your opponent might have a wizard that you've managed to chip down to one wound like that Zinch, you basically right? can then just be do you, re- do you really want to cast that spell because if, if you do I'm going to kill you yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like I feel like I would only really go up against like maybe a foot of gork or something, uh, like you'd say like the iron jaws or even the zench, like armies that have really strong spells that do a lot of mortal wounds. Yeah, to you, um, I feel like it'd be like cool, like you can take it, but you'll be suffering. D3 yeah, wounds. the 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 problem is it's only d three mortal wounds. And it's just once per game. And obviously you can only take one of these. So it only really has a a use against a wizard that you've already had some way of harming. Yeah. Um, So I I don't think you'll see it often. I think there's better items, but it's there. Um, And then the other one, which actually I have used quite a bit, is uh, the Silverwood Circlet, which the bearer adds six inches to the maximum range of every spell that they know. So there's a combination that we'll get onto later that's in a couple of the, the, a lot of the lists actually that I write 
um, where I take this. Um, it's key to note that this isn't as useful as it used to be now that in the new FAQs it's been clarified that any kind of multiplier or addition, you always apply the multiplier first and then you add. So, for example, a Bailwind Vortex saying it doubles the range, that's the first thing you do. You always apply the multiplier first. So if you have a spell that's, say, 18-inch range, yeah. on a Bailwind Vortex it becomes 36. If the wearer then had the Silverwood Circlet, you would then add the 6, so it would be a 42-inch range. It wouldn't be 18, add 6 to get to 24, then double it because of the Bailwind, which is 48. Yeah. So that's just something to be aware of. It's not. It doesn't add as much range anymore, yeah. um, where it could have added 12, on a bellwind, it still only adds six. Yeah. But it's there, it helps you add six inches to spells, things like the reaping that we talked about that did on automatic D3 mortal wounds to all enemy units within three inches. That's not great. Suddenly, if that's all enemy units within nine, yeah. actually that starts being more interesting. Yeah, it'd be good. Um, so yeah, that's all of the items. So I think we might just take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll go through all of the War Scroll Battalion. And we're back from the break. So we're now going to run through the War Scroll Battalions that are in the book. Um, there's quite a few of them. We won't run through all of them in detail. We'll just kind of focus on the ones that we believe are more viable, um, I guess, because some of them kind of, in terms of match play anyway, they're not really... You, you won't really find many lists that kind of use them. Either the abilities aren't particularly useful in match play um, or they're just kind of too expensive really for, for what they do. Um so the first one is you've got three spirits, which is uh, a spirit of Durthu and three units of Colonel Hunters. And um, basically, this just lets the units all kind of make a free move in your hero phase. Um, that all those units move five, so it basically lets you move an extra five inches um, in your hero phase. Um, they have to you basically pick a terrain feature or a unit anywhere on the board, and they have to end their move closer to that. The units don't have to move, so you could just move a couple of them, um, and they only have to move marginally closer to that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of because Colonel Hunters have gone up in points. I don't think you'll see that many of them in lists anymore. Um, and then with the formation going up, it's it's only ninety points, which for formations these days is quite cheap. Yeah. Because it this this rule doesn't apply to all of them, but as a general rule of thumb, um, if a battalion costs less than a hundred points before, they've added fifty points to it, and if it costs a hundred or more, they've added a hundred points to it. So this used to cost forty, so they've added fifty, and it now costs ninety points. Um, so for just reducing the number of drops you can take, if you're taking these units, um, especially Colonel Thunders and Spirits of Death, who are quite slow, that extra five inch move can be useful. But generally, the sorts of builds that um, you'll see, I think, more on the table, and certainly the ones we'll talk through, I don't think you'll see this um, a whole lot. I feel like it just gave them a bigger threat range. It was just that, like, people would be like, oh, cool, it's five-inch movement, but with that extra five-inch, just makes them a little bit scarier. Yeah. But there's other battalions, but as we will soon see, um, makes someone a bit more scary. Yeah. Um, the next one, which I really don't think you'll ever see this, um, is Lords of the Clan. Basically, it revolves around a load of Tree Lords, um, or Tree Lord Ancients, and in your hero phase, if they're all near enemy units, then you can kind of do mortal wounds to it, but it's really expensive for what you need to take. Um, it's... It's not really very reliable in terms of doing mortal wounds. Um, it's not really the best investment of your points, so I don't think you'll see it very much. Um, next one is a personal favourite of yours, I know, Liam, so it I'll is. let you talk through this one. It is great. Um, so Household is one Tree Lord, one Branch Witch, and one unit of Tree Revs. Um, so pretty much any enemy units cannot retreat if they were within three inches of a Household unit. In addition, units with Italian add one to their bravery in the battleship phase within three inches of enemy models. So if they're in combat... 
They get plus one bravery and those enemy models cannot retreat. Yeah. Um, this is super powerful and we'll explain why when we talk about for our list, but this is my all-time favourite and I build lists around this. Yeah, so. you, you, it's it's the enemies not being able to retreat that's really the key kind of power in this rather than the plus one bravery, but the plus one bravery is just a nice added bonus. Well, Trevor's aren't very brave. Yeah. If you look at the bravery, they're just... Um, and yeah the great thing is this only used to cost 40 points so it only costs 90, 90 points now, now. so um, in terms of overall formations I think 90 points is definitely fine for what, what act- this can be used to do it actually got a little bit cheaper because a tree lord actually did go down points as well as the tree revs that's the other thing um, it's just an overarching comment yes pretty much every single battalion in the game got expensive battalions are quite expensive now there's a number of reasons around that in terms of the strategic advantage that a battalion gives you in terms of reducing your number of drops so that you get to control who goes first at, um, in the game, which is massive because if you can, if you don't need first turn and you can, you're the person that gets to give that to your opponent, you know you can never be double turned until you've had a double turn. That's really powerful. Yeah. Also gaining additional um, items and powerful magical items. artifacts, which can do a lot for your list is really powerful. So basically, I think there was a lot of battalions that were too cheap before, so you're now paying a premium for them. Some of them, and a lot of them, I will be frank and just say they are too expensive. Um, It does feel like a blanket rule has generally been applied, um, but it's something that I think and uh, I hope and I honestly think Games Workshop will address um, fairly quickly in the future. As soon as we're, say, six months in and we've had enough experience of tournaments to see it, they will start tweaking these and bringing them back in line. Some of the ones that are too expensive will come down and and things like that. Um, So, But I still think, that being said, with battalions going up, there is definitely still place for some of them. And, um, yeah, Household, as Liam will talk about with some of his lists, really has some great tactical uses kind of in-game. And 90 points, I don't think, personally, is a lot to pay it's for the not. abilities that it's this great. gives you. Giving you an extra item and reducing your drops as well, it's it's great. Now, this is your favourite. It's not my favourite. Um, I I take it because a lot of the... Uh, I call them Uber battalions, um, but the Wargroves use this um so this is forest folk so you have to take a branch wraith and three units of dryads i think it's useful because dryads are your battle line so you can immediately go cool my my three units of battle line are covered with this battalion um it used to be 60 points so it's now 110 uh the ability that this gives it's situational but i think in certain games um if you play the army around it as well it could be really useful but it's basically fade from view. So once per game in your hero phase, you have to remove all of the models in this battalion from the battlefield and set them to one side, and you then set up each of the units anywhere within your territory or within three inches of the Sylvaneth Wildwood, and they have to be set up at least nine inches from the enemy, and they can't move. So potentially this could be really good. If you're playing an objective game where you've got objectives on your side of the board and objectives on your opponent's side of the board, you could rush your entire army forwards fight over your opponent's objectives kind of leaving yours using your full weight of your army to kill the stuff that's on their objectives with all your dryads um once you've cleared them off you could have other units there hopefully that are in support maybe just a unit five tree remnants or a lonely branch witch or something like that knowing that you've killed all of the enemy models that were nearby using all of your dryads um and things like that then you can then use this ability once per game take them all off the table set them up in your deployment zone within range of your objectives providing Obviously, there's no enemy models within, and suddenly you're kind of claiming the ones in your opponent's territory and yours. Um, so I think it definitely has its uses, but um, 
to be honest, in game, I've never really used that ability. It's more that this is the mandatory battalion in several of the um, war groves, um, which is why you take it. Um, and it helps get you an extra item. Um, but yeah, it's really because it's kind of mandatory. But as I say, it's great that it covers off your battle line at least. So yeah, yeah. Um, the next one, Liam, do you want to talk through? Um, Outcast. This is now actually really good because spider revs are now battle line. So it's just three into spider revs. And I'm pretty sure this is one of the only battalions where you don't need a hero. In the battalion, yeah. So it's just one where you can just pretty much mass and spike raise a battle line. You got three units of your battle line to set. Um, so pretty much in your hero phase, roll two dice in any enemy units within eight inches or at least two units of the battalion. So if they have two units of the spike rows around eight inches of an enemy. Um, so pretty much if the dice roll exceeds the unit's bravery, the unit suffers a mortal wound. Um, that's just pretty good just to stuff around with some bravery and also with spike rose special balls being near around scenery and also affecting that bravery as well. Um, it can happen a lot, um, and also there's Draco who can buff them up as well. So if you wanted like a really cool theme army, like an outcast kind of army, this is definitely up there, and also for using the Uber Battalion. Yeah, um, yeah, the outcast. I think it's cool. It, this is not something that you saw very often at all um, under the previous iteration of General's Handbook because Spike Revenants they weren't battle line at all, and they were a hundred points for five models with a five up save. Um, which wound. which kind of meant that if you wanted to take this battalion, you needed to pay 300 points for three units of five, and you didn't have any of your battle lines. So the minimum you could take was another three units of, say, tree revenants for 100 points each. So you're immediately paying 600 points just to get six units of five guys um, that aren't necessarily great, plus the battalion costs to do this. So it wasn't particularly viable, um, but I think it's got some really cool rules. Um, and the outcasts are quite cool models. I really like... The theme behind them is kind of yeah the outcast the kind of shady creatures that live in the shadow live in the shadows and they're they're quite fearful um, in terms of like they enemies are quite wary of them um, and they have that kind of essentially it, essentially it's a uh, a banshee scream in the hero phase where you're rolling two d six um, and subtracting bravery so against low bravery units um i mean even things like stormcast and stuff that especially things that don't have mortal wound saves like liberators stormcast generally they're bravery six which isn't that great um and they have no mortal wound save so they're they're really not going to like this if you roll 12 against the unit liberators that's three dead liberators yeah Um, so it's really cool i mean yes that's unlikely to roll 12 but given that the average is seven every time you're kind of should really be doing a mortal wound um yeah. and the great thing is it's every enemy unit within eight yeah. um of at least two so you can kind of Huddle them if together. you almost have them in a triangle or even a line um anything that's kind of you've got the outer the outer two pinging off the middle unit so as long as you can bear those kind of unit ranges eight inches you can you can also create big zones on the board where your opponent's going to have to be wary of moving stuff just close um, to you and you only need one model for the unit to be there yeah. so um, yeah it's quite cool and it was quite cheap before it was only um, I think it, I think this one was only 40 points before as well so um, it's um, yeah it's something that's only kind of 90 points so it's quite cool um, and now as Liam said Spike Revenant's a battle line in a Sylvaneth army so this could also just be used to fulfil your battle line so it's quite cool um, and then you've got the Sylvaneth Wargrove you see this in a lot of battle towns where it's just like one of each battalion and then um, you just get a little bonus from having all that collection I think this is really aimed at people who just like to collect the models yeah the, um, there's there's one of these in yeah every book and it's there's no way you'd ever fit this in a 2k or no. even a 2.5k match play game because it's basically 
loads and loads and loads of the battalions and with the battalion costs alone going up as much as they have there's no way you'd um you'd afford these but it needless to say has massive benefits but these are this is for a narrative game. it's just for like if you have all these models and you're just doing open play kind of thing this is cool and pretty much what you get out of it is just another wildwood um, to start on the table yeah and you also get to add one to every single Zero. time a unit navigates realm routes which is really cool yeah um but you'll never ever 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 see this in competitive match play because it it's literally impossible to fit in so yeah um now before we get into the uber battalions um most of the Uber battalions have like this very similar format, so we just don't want to repeat ourselves. So pretty much it just tells you what you need for to get the Uber battalion, so like a base of the battalion, and then pretty much you can include any other sub battalion. So if you did something like a Naru, which is based on the household, you can fit it. It says you can have one free spirit battalion as well within this battalion to be included in it, so it can turn into a one drop. Um, and any, any and other, any other number models. of additional Sylvaneth units as well. So yeah. yeah, basically, if you take any of these Wargroves, you can make your entire army a one drop, um, yeah. which I think is really. I think if anything, although the battalions have gone up in cost, and a lot of players kind of initial, certainly a lot of Sylvaneth players' initial reactions have been, Negative. oh, I'm not taking uh, Sylvaneth aren't competitive now because like, it's too expensive for me to take my Nauru army, for example. I actually think it's more important now to take these one-drop armies for Sylvaneth because Sylvaneth are one of the few armies where you really, really, really want to go first because you yeah. want to place as many Wildwoods as you can, turn one before models move into those spaces and restrict where you can place them late game. So before, when so many armies had access to battalions and just taking them cheaply loads and loads and loads of armies would be one drop so actually you were kind of reliant on that initial dice roll for choosing sides of whether you're going to be able to take first turn or not yeah. whereas now i think you will see a lot less one drop armies because of those the additional cost of battalions so paying those costs in sylvaneth army becomes more of a worthwhile investment i think you'll have less matchups where you've spent those points only for that choice of who goes first or not to come down to a dice roll for table sides yeah. i think generally if you kind of pay those points you probably will find yourself being one of maybe three or four one drop armies across the tournament yeah. um certainly a lot less than you would have seen under the previous general's handbook and if you do have your battle turn with you if you are starting to collect it um if you actually have a good read through this book this book has generally been written to pretty much say like sylvaneth is designed to be a one drop or like one where it is supposed to outdrop due to we need to take turn one, as you mentioned. I always have a belief in that. Um, that's why me, I still write a lot of one drop lists. Yeah. Um, due to it does like Sylvaneth do need it, and I coming from the competitive scene, I have always taken first turn to get my board control because the whole thing with Sylvaneth is pretty much having board control turn one. Yeah. The other great thing around that though is it does also give you space where you can potentially write a Sylvaneth list that doesn't rely on taking first turn. Um, you, It's it's difficult um, because generally most of your units, as we've said at the start of the podcast, they their points include their benefits for being near woods. So your army will suffer a little bit for not being near wildwoods. So if you can't get as many wildwoods on the table, your army will be weaker than if you had lots of wildwoods on the table. But if you can design a list which doesn't rely so heavily on wildwoods, then it also gives your opponent a tough choice because if they do outdrop you, they 
might not want to go first because they don't want to be double turned, but they know that you probably do want to go first. Yeah. So you might actually force your opponent to make a tough decision where they might decide to go first and therefore always give you the chance of a double first. Yeah. But you're not really reliant on having many Wildwoods down, so you kind of don't care anyway. So it's a bit of a catch-22, um, which I quite like. Again, it's all tactics. It's just things that you can play around with in the list. So I think it's really cool. Yeah, so let's go into the Uber... Yes, yeah, so the, the Wargroves. Um, the first one, Oakenbrow Wargrove, we won't really go through because it, the, the battalion, so it's worth saying, all of these, there's a battalion that you have to take, it's a requirement, and it will all be one of the previous battalions that we've listed with a slight amendment, yeah. and then it's any other number of the battalions generally, or any other Sylvaneth units. Yeah. Um, this one requires a Lords of the Clan Battalion with at least two to six Tree Lords instead of one to three. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned before, I don't think you'll ever really see Lords of the Clan, so we won't really focus on this. Um, it basically gives all of your Tree Lords an extra wound, which is cool, but I don't think you'll see it. Um, and it lets you, once per battle in your hero phase, replace a unit of Dryads or Tree Remnants that were completely destroyed. But because of reinforcement points and the way that works, is you would have to have the points for those set Some aside. Evil, yeah. um, so it's just, it's not particularly worth it. Um, but it's there. If you wanted to take a load of Tree Lords and Tree Lord Ancients, then go for it. Um, yeah. But I don't think you'll see it in many match play competitive lists. Yep. Oh, it's my favourite. <laughs> One of my favourites. One of. Um, so we've got the Narut. Um, this is the one that you definitely saw a lot of. And they the net the list, basically. Okay, I wouldn't like If to... you knew anyone that played Sylvaneth before General's Handbook 2017, it there's a 95% chance that they played Narut. Yep. It... Okay. I would like to say, yes, good point, but it's just true to, when you read this book, it's the one that draws you into it, because it has a lot of the models that you would take yeah. in it, um, and also it was really easy to build, because it's just a few stuff collecting boxes and stuff to get the build, and a few kind of hunters and tree revs. Anyway, so Narud is pretty much based off the household, my favourite battalion, um, but you have to upgrade your tree lord ancient to, I mean, your tree lord into a tree lord ancient. Which... As yeah. soon as you start reading the War Scrolls, you will basically always want a Tree Lord Ancient in your list. So it's so just like a thing where it's a must-have. It makes sense. Um, and then you get to have everything else. But this thing also says you're allowed to have one order. Now, this is when you have like, options. Uh, like, heaps of options, because order has so many wizards um, that you get to pick whatever really you want. Um, there's a few, like, order includes that a lot of people took. Um, like, one of them was, like, the Battle Mages, as you mentioned before, which was really good. To go with the Spirit of Deathy. Yeah, um, my all-time favourite was a Lawmaster. That was for, a really common one, yeah. For um, for good old Deathy, because um, his shooting attack was a little bit choppy, and now that just made it a bit more reliable. Oh, and his sword. Oh, Let's not to, forget the Damage Six Sword. I don't forget sword. the Damage Six Sword, but everyone knows about that one. Um, so pretty much the abilities that you get out of this is your Trio Ancient, Branch Ridge, and Branch Wraith are allowed to attempt one extra spell. This did get um, FAQ recently, where it's all three, yep. if you have them. Most people thought it was just one of, you have to select one of, but they got an FAQ that it's all, all of them gets together. Oh, really? I d personally, I didn't think there was any, ever any confusion. I, I thought feel like it's because it was the clear all. that it was always all your Ancients, all your Branch Witches, and your Branch Wraiths could always cast down and bind an extra spell. But. Yeah, they just got FAQ to clear it up. And then you get given a spell, which is awesome. Um, Venomous Blessing... Virtuous Harmony. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> it's late, it's please, fine. Please edit this out. It's fine. Please edit that no out. No editing. Liam, the Narut player, just spell <laughs> wrong. It's really late, guys. Anyways, um, pretty much you select a friendly silver neck unit within 18 inches after you cast it, and one model in that unit, as I was saying earlier, can come back to life. 
but you can bring back D3 slain models if it's you selected unit of dryads or tree revs. Um, I did this a lot, um, especially when you're buffing up your current of hunters, um, just taking D3 mortal wounds like nearly every turn when I find damned, and um, giving a plus one hit. I always just lost a current of hunter with this spell, brought one back up. Great. Yeah, it was um, it was really common because yeah, that you would see loads of current of hunters with this spell. Being able to bring them back when they die, everyone that's played against them knows how notoriously hard it was to kill a Colonel mm -hmm. Hunter. Um, or you do maybe, I think you'd probably go into a unit of even just three with 15 wounds, you'd do maybe nine. Yep. So you'd leave, there'd be one alive on full, one that's only got two wounds, and you've killed one, you think, oh, great. And then this as soon as the Sylvan Death player has a turn, they regrow the one that was on two wounds to full health, and they bring one back, and suddenly you're against a full health unit. Yeah, it's great. Love it. I think it's awesome. So, I yeah. think that was brilliant. It, um, it was it was really strong um, awesome. for Colonel Hunters. I don't think you used to see it much against Dryads or Tree Revenants, but um, I think with the shift in meta to more bodies um, and the points changes, I think you'll start seeing it a lot more. Um, and also the thing with the Seekers and the Knowledge ability, that means the Wildwoods are going off even more. Yeah, I mean, if you just... I mean, you have to take a Tree Lord Ancient and a Branch Witch it, yeah. to take that household. So that's two wizards. Just those two wizards can cast four spells. Yeah. And then if you add in the order wizard that you can take, a that's lawmaster, fine. you're on five already. Just... By the way, we would like to say, if you have an order wizard, please make sure they're not near wildwoods because they also get hit. Yes, that is a key. Any any order wizard you take that doesn't have the Sylvaneth keyword, you want to make sure that they are not within one inch of the wildwoods. One, one really. inch, one inch, yeah. Because every time they cast a spell within six inches of the Wildwoods on a five up, that Wildwood is going to go off and hurt every non Sylvaneth unit within one inch of it for D3 Mortal Wounds. So if you are taking this and you include an Order Wizard, make sure that they're not within one inch of your Wildwoods when you're casting spells. I've done it, it's, it's really hard to forget <laughs> about it. So um, so that is Naru. Um, it, it's gone up in points. Um, quite. It's, it's, it's gone up 150 points. To be honest. It needed to, but I think, I think basically all of the battalions have gone up one hundred and fifty points. Yeah, yeah, but that, um, that one there was a bit. It was just a, one of those things where I was like an auto include. It it was an auto include, um, really because it just yeah from the benefits you wanted to take a tree lord ancient anyway. Being able to cast an unbind extra spells is amazing, and being able to bring your models back is amazing. Yeah, and that that inclusion of an order wizard without breaking allegiance again also amazing to have a law master on a spirit of death who is just it it was so strong. Um. And it still has its place. It definitely oh, still has still its place. Is. You can still write lists around it. Um, they just will not be the null root lists you saw before because generally they had maybe four or five units of Colonel Hunters. And they, and have, the they have they've all gone up forty points per unit and that just and with the additional hundred and fifty points for this battalion, it's it just will bring down yeah. it will basically a null root list before will Lose now probably have about two units less of Colonel Hunters. Yeah. Um Heartwood, Wargrove, it's pretty much around the Free Spirits Battalion, but this one, its ability has to have a summoning pool to make it work. Yeah, um, I don't think you'll see this one a lot. You don't see it a lot. Um, Especially it, with the Colonel Hunter points increase. You have to take a Free Spirits Battalion, which we mentioned before, but this one has to have at least four, four units, units of Colonel Hunters. It's a lot um, of points. So you're already talking 880 points, plus the 400 for the Durthu, so that's 1280, plus the Free Spirits at 90. You're already talking 1370 points. You don't even have battle line And yet. this formation itself is going to be 200, so 1570 points for the benefits, it's just not worth it. So it's to not. be honest, I think we'll move on. You aren't going to see I'm this. Not, yeah, in, you aren't going to see this in match play. Yeah. Um, Ironbark, um, this one is my new list. I would like Your to new say fave? My new fave, because. <laughs> Again, it's based on the household, 
but I get to have an additional one unit tree reps. Now, that means I'm going back to having a tree lord, which is the key part. So most people have that bad habit of adding in a tree lord ancient. Now you have to actually go back to your tree lord. Yeah. Um, but the cool ability with this gives me is two Dwarden units. You can take up to two Dwarden units. Oh, up to two Dwarden yeah. units, which is, I think that's pretty cool, because um, Dwarden are awesome. Um, abilities that you get, so pretty much, wait a second, sorry, um, please edit this out. Um, half the number of casualties when working out the result of Battleshock test for Sylvan F um, Ironbark units, writing the fractions up, so for example, if an Ironbark unit suffered three casualties, then it's only two would be added to its Battleshock test rather than three. Now, Mastercrafted Weapons, this makes Tree Revs even cooler. You can reroll removals of one for the Enchanted Blades, Protector Glaives, or Greenwood Sides used by Ironbark Tree Revs or Branch Witches. I think this is awesome. Um, I'll explain a few tactics that I use with Tree Revs later on, because there's other ways where you can make them even scarier. But I feel like this is a really cool buff, just from this um, Ironbark um, yep. Battalion. And you also get given a cool artifact that is a definite add-on to something like a Durfu where you can add one to the wound rolls made for the bearer's melee weapons. Yeah, so this is where we said earlier there's no, there's very few, like the battle mage is the only way to add plus one, plus one to wound to something. That's because this one can, but the reason we wanted plus one to wound was to twin with the day three per magic item Which is to give artifact. minus four rend, and obviously you can't take more than one artifact on a model, so yeah. this is kind of redundant. I think it would have been awesome if this was, say, a special command trait Tra that you yeah. got, because then you could have taken a Spirit Durthu with the Iron Bark and a day three per and have this kind of built in. Yeah, he's wounding on twos, but any fives are at rend four. It would have been really cool. Well, I just think it's cool that he's now hitting on threes, winning on twos on a yeah. neg two rend six damage sword. And then also with his massive impaling talent, when he's getting worse, yeah. you still get plus one to win because, yeah, it's on all melee weapons. Yeah, definitely. There's 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 definitely uses for it. I mean, Ren 2 is still pretty decent, and as Liam said, if you'd rather be more consistent in terms of wounding on twos well, rather than... coming for a guy who had a Lawmaster who's making me reward a hit and stuff, yeah. I'm going to take this one because now I'm just getting a better chance to wound, yeah. which I think is really good um, with a Durfu because Durfu is one, definitely one of my favourite models in the whole army. So yeah, that is Ironbark. Um, yeah. I think and you'll yeah, see this a lot. Yeah, I think you'll start seeing it more. The only... The only limiting factor, kind of, is that you have to take the Tree Lord instead of that Tree Lord Ancient. But because you can include any number of additional Sylvaneth units, you can still put a Tree Lord Ancient in the yeah. list. Um, it just means that you'll have a Tree Lord as well. But they're not that bad. I think they got Tree Lord just got cheaper. They got twenty points cheaper, so they're only two hundred and forty points now. And the twelve they've points. got they've got four attacks instead of three, like the Ancients. So they're actually not bad at all for two hundred and forty points. And they also move one inch faster. Um, and yeah, the two Dwarden units is really cool because you've got so much choice. You've obviously got kind of your traditional Dwarden, um, you've you got, got the, the Caradron Overlords, and then you've got Fire Slayers. And with Fire Slayers getting a lot cheaper, there's some really cool stuff you can do here. Um, I mean, one thing just being taking um, a, rune, a rune smith and a unit of 30 Volkite Berserkers. That gives you a unit of huge amount of bodies with a four up ward save effectively that you can tunnel up nine inches away. That's brilliant. Like, and you're still a Sylvaneth army. By the way, and also the other thing is the fact that it's based on the household battalion. Those two true units of tree revs. That's like if anyone's in combo with those two units, they can't retreat out of combat. Yeah. Which I think is now expanding that meaning. Like you can like hold your enemy for a little bit longer as well, which I think yeah. is really cool. And again, so if you took one of those Dwarden units, if that was a generic order battle line unit. Your two tree revenant units and that—that's your battle line sorted yeah, as you well. Yeah, you don't need dryads. 
Um, so yeah, obviously this formation, again, it went up in points by 150 because household increased by 50 and Ironbark Walgrove increased by 100. So yes, it's got expensive. I think it's now 290 points. But so generally all of these... Um, all of these kind of wargroves are between 290 and 310 points, um, I think. So they're all around the 300-point mark, um, but I still think you'll find when we go through the lists that they're definitely worth it, and they they bring an edge to the army, and I think they're worth the points. There's a little fun fact. If you guys have a Cardinal Overlords book, you can see a map where you can see the Ironbark wargrove settled in the realms. Oh, really? Yeah. That's little, cool. Little I didn't fun fact. So you can see that Cardinal Overlords actually work closely to Ironbark, so you can do like a cool little theme there which i think is pretty cool that's really cool and yeah i know you're going to talk through one of My one of the skills. lists you've written later which is iron bark which maybe has some caradron in it so yeah that'd be cool yeah um so the next one this is one of my favorites um winter leaf wargrove so this uses the forest folk battalion which is the one that has to take three units of dryads and a branch wraith now this one has to take an additional unit of dryads so you'll have four battle line units um which is one more than you need but I think dryads are really useful anyway just as bodies on the table uh, especially with the 20 point points reduction now and mm. um, they're really cool so yeah this is a forest folk and then basically anything else you want but the cool thing with this is it's naught to one order units yeah. so any single war scroll you want from the entirety of order you can put into this list and maintain your silver nether legions so good so that's awesome and i think it's really going to help add variety to silver nether armies you see out there as people come up with different combinations they go what do i want in this list do i want a big monster that's not here do i want a long-range cannon do i like whatever you want do you want a big block of i don't know 40 skinks for 240 points do you just want 40 bodies that have got bravery 10 sure like whatever you want you yeah, can chuck like, it in yeah. um, which is awesome um, and then again any number of additional Sylvaneth units and the abilities you get for Winterleaf are generally brilliant um, the first one you, you won't really see that much I don't think it matters too much um, but basically it lets any Sylvaneth Winterleaf units that are set up um, kind of off the table at the start of the game in the hidden enclaves they can be set up within three inches of an Ophidian archway in, like in addition to being set up within a Wildwood yeah. um, instead but generally I think Terrain War Scrolls aren't in play other than Bellwinds and um, Bellful Realm Gates and but yeah it would only be if there's a formation for it so yeah. I'm not actually sure if there was an Ophidian Archway model on the board whether that would actually count as an Ophidian Archway for match play anyway it um, really depends if when you want to do it yeah it would probably it. depend on the ruling but to be honest I don't think you're going to see it much Ooh. but the, the two main abilities that these give which are awesome so each time you make a hit roll of a six or more for a Winterleaf Dryad it can immediately make an additional attack with its racking talons that's great because you've got four units of Dryads so the minimum you're going to have on the board is 40 dryads and every time you make a hit roll of six or more then you get to make an extra attack and dryads make two attacks each with a two inch reach so just 10 dryads with the champion is putting out 21 attacks yeah so you make any you should get three extra attacks on average but from that unit in your combat you and then one. yeah exactly the key the main rule that dryads have on their war scroll is if it's your combat phase in your turn Dryads can enrapture a unit within three inches of them and you get to add one to your hit rolls. So then you're hitting on threes, but because you're adding one, any fives and sixes, you're then making extra attacks. So suddenly, 21 Dryads hitting on threes, you're hitting with 14 attacks, but seven of those, you're making extra attacks. Yeah, it's so it's really cool, and they can start stacking up, um, and that's just 10. 
And with Dryads coming down in price, especially in a horde of 30, they're only 270 points now, whereas they used to be 360. You're going to see a lot more Dryads on the table. Yeah, they are. And also being minus one to hit within three inches of a Wildwood, they're more survivable than you think. They also get plus one One save if they're... 12 or more in a unit so you're going to really start seeing dryads on the table and I think they're great units yeah. um, especially when you combine them with this you get to re-roll hit and wound rolls of 1 for any attack made by a sylvaneth winterleaf unit upon a chaos unit yeah. so if you're playing any chaos army at all your entire army if it's in this wargrove which it should be really because the whole point is your whole army can fit in here if you're playing pure sylvaneth your whole army gets to re-roll hits and wounds of one for all attacks because it's combat and shooting against chaos. And with most people, when you see like the data on like what armies are coming to tournaments, most of it is chaos. I think order is the main faction followed closely by chaos. Chaos, yeah. So, so it, yeah, you're going to have a high chance that you're going to play chaos in at least two games out of five, maybe in the yeah. tournament. Um, and being able to re-roll for your entire army, hits and wounds of one, is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Especially when, again, we said you can include any order unit you want. So suddenly if you do chuck in a cannon or something like that, that maybe two attacks, fours and twos, re-rolling like ones, it's, you're going to have a really high chance of increasing that damage output. So it's good. It's really cool. Actually, I'm just looking at that. I'm like, that makes Colonel Hunters even scarier. Yeah, it makes it makes Colonel Hunters great. It makes Spirits of Durthu amazing because they're threes and threes re-rolling ones. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really it's cool. Good. Um, That's another one we'll probably definitely see a lot of. Yeah, um, Liam, do you want to talk through Dreadwood? Um, Dreadwood, so this one here, you never saw because it was ridiculously expensive um, to actually build it. Um, I think you you could have seen it. Um, I think it was about, I think the minimum buy-in was about 800 and something points to just take a legal minimum. Dreadwood list with bare minimum battle line, um, yeah. whereas now it's come... Even with the cost of the battalion going up 150 points, the individual units have come down, but mainly it's the fact that Spite Revenants are now battle line, meaning you don't have to take the additional units. Yeah. The actual minimum cost of running Dreadwood has dropped about 140 points down to 600 and something, so yeah. it makes it viable. And thematically, I think this is actually the coolest, and it's one that I'm really looking forward to running. Um, I, I, myself, wouldn't mind doing this. It's just... I love my tree revs, and just buying even more boxes just makes back revs, it's going to kill me. But um, pretty much the abilities you can get out, so pretty much it's based on the outcast battalion, but you must contain to four to six units of spite revs. Instead of three. Instead so. of three. Um, and then also it's just any number of additional silver knife units or battalions. Um, so pretty much the abilities you can get out of this is you can reward wind rolls of one for attacks made by dreadwood spite revs. So it kind of makes them a little bit more like combat-y. Um, and then, so pretty much before the game starts, you get to roll pretty much a d3. That's pretty much what it's saying. So on a 1 to 2, you can use one of the following stratagems. 3 to 4, you can use two of them. 5 or 6, you can use all three. And the stratagems you can pick from are called Ambush, Hidden Attackers, and Sneak Attack. So Ambush, a red unit, can be redeployed anywhere on the battlefield that is more than 6 inches away from enemy units. So that's a Durfu just coming over there. Just yep. pretty much on the other side of the board, and then that's not considered his move, so he gets to move. Yeah. Pretty much be within three. Um, hidden attackers, the maximum range of enemy attacks, abilities, and spells against Dreadwood units is limited to 12 inches during the first round of the battle. This is awesome. So even if your opponent is wasting time on a Bailwind and doubling it, it's still going to be 12 inches range. Um, so Zench, um, Shang, um, the Shaman and stuff, all their like, magic and stuff has been. Um, gone and Skyfires have now become not going to hit hard turn one. 
Skyfires still have a big threat because they can move they 16, do. so they'd still they'd still be able to hit from 28 inches away. But it's not as bad as a 40 But it's not as bad as 40, for sure. Um, um, so, sneak attack, up to three Dreadwood units can immediately move as if it's the movement phase. They cannot run. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's some pretty cool strategies that you can use just before the game even starts. Yeah, sub to, so, so that whole rule is subterfuge. That is what makes Dreadwood so cool because there's so many things you can do to play around this. Um, and it happens at the start of the first battle round. Yep. So if you know you're going first, you can play around this. Yep. If you know your opponent has that choice, you can play around this. Yep. Um, I mean, hidden attackers, you know, and the great thing is you know you're always going to be able to do at least one of these. You've yeah. got a one in three chance of being able to do only one of them, a one in three of being able to do two of them, and a one in three of being able to do all three of them. Um, so you can really play... I mean, we'll talk about um, some of the things you can do with this when I run through one of the lists I've written for Dreadwood um, and the, the cool things that this lets you do. But there's there's so many extra things you can do. You can basically write lists which go, right, if I, get, if I roll one, I can do this. If I get two of them, I can do these two. Mm-hmm. And if I get all three... I can still do all this, and I get these added bonuses. I mean, hidden attackers, if you're playing against the Zinch Magic Army, where you can... if This is something that actually you could take Colonel Thunters with bows or or things like that, where you could drop... You can deploy them off the table, teleport to a wood within the middle of the table, dropping kind of 13 inches away from a Zinch Army, because as soon as it has its hero phase... It's not going to do anything. It's not going to be within 12 of you. So it can't cast any spells, but you can be right up in its face, shooting off mm-hmm. the characters, it, knowing you're not going to take any mortal wounds in the hero phase. There's That's just right. so much that that lets you do. As Liam said, ambush, being able to just, before the game even starts, pick up a unit and put it anywhere on the battlefield more than six inches away. You could take a big unit of 30 dryads and basically just drop a wall in front of your opponent to pin yeah. them in. You could take that Durthu that is normally hampered by movement five, drop him six away so you know you're going to get a three-inch charge turn one. Yeah. Dreicher with her spell um, going off all bra- uh, all enemy units kind of within range of her and doing a bravery test and then also kind of her squirmlings or um, her colony of flitter furies getting her up in a key position turn one to be able to pretty much blast whatever unit you need to in your opponent's army. Alarial using that 16-inch move, if you get the move, um, you can just do that, turn one, she'll be eight inches away if you deploy it on the 24, if you deploy on the 12-inch line and your opponent has, she's eight inches away before you even have your first movement phase. Yeah, so it's... then with another 16-inch move, you can be anywhere you need. Yeah, um, and great. yeah, there's just so much you can do with this. I think it's really cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing this. Yeah, so that's another one we'll probably definitely be seeing. Um, now next one's Harvest Boon. Yeah, so Harvest Boon, um, this is one that I think it has a place, but you won't see it quite as much as, say, Winterleaf, um, Narut, Dreadwood. Um, but yeah, so this one, and yeah, Ironbark um, as well. But this one, again, uses the Forest Folk Battalion, but instead of having an extra unit of Dryads this time, it has an extra Branch Wraith. So you need three units of Dryads and two Branch Wraiths. That's quite cool, because you've got your battle line sorted and you've got two two cheap Wizards for casting Solid. and then again any other number of Sylvaneth units and kind of the battalion mixes as usual the abilities this gives you is Chorus of Magic so you get to add one to casting rolls for your Harvest Moon Branch Wraiths so that's yeah. awesome because you know you've already got two wizards getting plus one to cast yeah. so that's cool um, and then Vibrant Surge you add one to any run or charge rolls made for all Harvest Moon units now that's really cool um, it might not sound a lot 
but movement's really key yeah. um, in Age of Sigmar, and especially the fact that your army has this innate ability to teleport between Wildwoods and always needing to be nine inches away, but still generally being able to attempt charges. Nine-inch charge is not very common, but suddenly, if you only need to roll an eight because you can add one to your charges, it becomes a bit more common. Yeah. And then if you combine that with one of the command okay. traits, which gave you a ten-inch bubble of plus one charge from your general, you can actually build an army around that for teleporting a whole clump of units that are combat-based yeah. and only needing to roll a seven to make yeah. those successful charges. Which is um, easily doable. Which is, yeah, it, I mean, the average on two dice is seven, so generally you, you should be rolling it um, more often than not. Um and then you also get an additional arcane treasure. So one of your Harvest Moon branch wraiths can have this instead of one of the other ones. Uh, it's the Tear of Grace. So they get to know an extra spell from the Deepwood Spell Law, and they get to add three inches to the range of all their spells. That's so cool. again, that's cool. It, it helps you not need to take loads and loads of wizards to get access to more spells. You get a little bit more range. Um, but just bear in mind, again, like we said before with the Warsong Stave, yes, you get an extra spell in terms of knowing it, but it doesn't mean you get to cast an extra spell. No. Um, so I think there's other items that are more useful. So you probably yeah. won't take the Tear of Grace very often, but it's um, it's a nice little addition. Um, and yet Harvest Boon costs 310 points as well because of Forest um, being 110 and then the Harvest Boon being 200. So it's one of the slightly more expensive ones. But to be honest, they're all about the same. So Yeah, no, this is your this is your battalion. And then, yeah, the, the final this. one. This is the proper kind of narrative, I guess, battalion that you can do in match play and um, this is actually something i've run at the last kind of couple of tournaments i've gone to because i didn't want to just play nauru um, and it's something different and as my main two armies were sylvaneth and stormcast and this is one of my favorite parts of the book series um, i kind of really wanted to do it so this is the guardians of Alarial, um, and what you have to do is you have to take a branch wraith two tree lords or tree lord ancients in any combination two units of dryads a Lord Castellant from Stormcast, two units of Liberators from Stormcast, and a unit of Judicators from Stormcast. The battalion itself was one of the more expensive ones originally, so it was 120 points, so it's now 220 points. Um, but given that we've just talked through all of these other ones that are kind of basically your whole army and they're about the 300 mark, this is actually kind of cheaper yeah. um, generally. Obviously, because it's not a formation that's made, sorry, it's not a battalion made from two or more battalions, yeah. it will only give you one extra item instead of two extra items yeah. um but it's really cool it's it's flexible so you can take the way i've always run this is with two tree lord ancients um because i like the fact that they are wizards um and they have the four up ability to just potentially bring on new wildwoods in my hero phase um so i always take the ancients over the normal tree lords yeah. um but I think it's really cool. Um, the abilities you get are actually really, really strong. Um, and I think it's something that was a little bit underestimated, to be honest. So what you get is the Branch Wraith is the Lady of the Bar. And in your hero phase, you get to pick a model anywhere on the battlefield and they heal a wound. So that's automatic. Anywhere, tabletop wide, as long as she's alive, you get to heal one of your models for a wound. And if it's within 18 inches of her and it's a Sylvaneth unit, it heals D3. So yeah. that's awesome. Just a free D3 heal on a Sylvaneth unit that's close to her. Your opponent can't stop it. It just really helps kind of keep those Tree Lord Ancients alive. It's like a tiny version of Alara's ability. Yeah. A little tiny version. It's, it's great. It's great. Um, the next one around the Lady of the Vines as well is, as long as she's alive, the bravery of all Guardians of Valerial units is 10. That is amazing. Because, yeah. again, Dryads are bravery 6, Liberators, Judicators, they're bravery 6, so they're quite susceptible to battle shock normally. Um, even your Tree Lord Ancients, things like that, or your characters, everything being Bravery 10, any sort of ability which does mortal wounds based off bravery, bravery or anything like that, 
it just makes you really resilient. You just don't run away. It means that your opponent has to essentially kill a branch wraith that's only 80 points. You can hide her at the back because she's very small. If she's anywhere near a wall, which is minus one to hit. If you wanted to, you could give her a briar sheath, which is what I've done to make her minus two to hit against shooting and combat, which can make her really survivable unless your opponent has ranged mortal wounds or can get up close and do mortal wounds. Um, So that's really cool. Another thing we've ever talked about is like, the new Jonas handbook since everything's about like larger units and bravery and stuff your opponent's going to be battle shocking and you're not which I think is great yeah or and you're not going to be battle shocking anywhere near as bad as you would be yeah. um, and then the final thing that you get which is what actually makes the liberators so amazing um, or the stormcast but generally the liberators in this formation so amazing is that you get master of defence so you get to add one to the save rolls um, for Loras Grimm which is the Lord Castellan and to the save rolls of any of the Stormcast Eternal units from this bat, uh, from this battalion that are within nine inches of him when they make the save. And the great thing is, because he's a Lord Castellan, they have their standard ability in the hero phase where you can shine the lantern on a friendly Stormcast unit within 12 inches and give that unit plus one save and also the ability to heal on saves of seven or more. Because suddenly if you put his lantern on a unit of Liberators that's within nine inches of him, they've got plus two to their armor save. Yeah. So they've, if you've got shields with them, they've got two-up armor save re-rolling. Now, normally in a Stormcast army, you've got no other way of increasing your armor save other than having more Castellans for that plus one save or taking, say, Staunch Defender. But that's a Stormcast army because you've got no Wizards. But in Sylvaneth, you've got Wizards. In this battalion, you've got a Branch Wraith and, say, two True Lord Ancients. You've got three Wizards there. You cast a Mystic Shield onto a unit of them, they've suddenly got a one-up save re-rolling one. You put them in cover, and they've got a zero-up save re-rolling ones. And what does this army do? It generates its own cover, because you can create Wildwood. So what you can do, and what I've done with this, is just spend 100 points to increase the size of one of those units of Liberators into a 10. So you've got 10 Liberators there. It's 20 wounds with Bravery 10. You can shine the lantern on them. If you need them to just hold an objective against an opponent that that does not have mortal wounds, you've got 20 wounds sitting there. You can put a Wildwood down, keep your wizards away from that Wildwood because they don't need to be there to cast a Mystic Shield. They can cast it from 18 inches away. You can have a unit of Liberators with a zero up save, re-rolling ones in that wood. They will just tank that all game. Yeah, I think that's... And they're 200 points. I've gone up against this list in one of the tournaments and... It is a pain to deal with those Stormcast. Yeah. Obviously, if you've got an army that can do things like pick off the Lady of the Vines and then pick off the Castellan and things like that, you can start weakening it. But again, in a game where we're moving moving towards more of a horde meta in terms of how the more bodies you can have on the battlefield, the greater your chances are of claiming objectives and therefore winning the scenario. If your opponent is having to focus a lot of their effort and time on killing individual models, you're kind of winning anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think this is really cool. Um, I love it because it's narrative. Um, it it really fits the story. It actually inspired me to make a display board for the first time ever, um, which I did kind of combining my Sylvaneth and my Stormcast over the ice as if they'd run away with the Stormcast protecting the with Sylvaneth. The, with Nurgle coming around. Yeah, I think it's really cool, um, and I love that it's I love that it's a viable match play battalion. Um, and again, it can just add a bit of difference to the Sylvaneth army, so you don't just have to take Naru. Um, but I don't think you will see that anymore. With General's Handbook 2017, you will not just see Naru as a Sylvaneth army. I think you will see a lot more variety, um, so cool. and it's going to be really cool. 
So that wraps up all of the battalions. Um, so all we've got to do now is just, we're not gonna go through all of the war scrolls um, unless we talk about lists that use specific units and if they have a certain rule or something like that on their war scroll, which is a particular choice for using that unit. Also you guys got the app. Yeah, and you, you can read the rules for all the war scrolls for free on the app um, and things like that. So we'll take a quick break and then we're going to run through a number of lists, pretty much one for most of the battalions that we kind of think are viable for match yeah. play. Um, just to give you some ideas of what we're thinking and kind of what you can do with Sylvaneth now that's not just kind of Naru and Colonel Thunder spam. So yeah. we'll take a quick break and uh, yeah, we'll come back and run through some lists. Cool. So we're back from the break. Um, so now we're just going to run through a number of army lists um, that we, myself and Liam, have written up um, that include a mix of the battalions um, and some of the full wargroves. So there'll be a mix of kind of one drops um, and kind of just generally others um, that don't use um, the battalions as much. And we'll talk through kind of what they do, uh, if there's any specific trick in the list or kind of what the main strength of the list is and how it's written to play. Um, so, yeah, Liam, do you want to take it away with the first list? Um, so yeah, the first list is actually just amended of my old General's Handbook list, just to show you guys like how I amended and how I fixed it and how to make it still work. So this used, so this is what you used to run, so it's a null root? Yeah, so I pretty much used to run null root. Um, you can call the net list or whatever, but I accidentally built this list, didn't find any internet, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> however, so generally I had the usual, just the, so pretty much I have a Branch Rich, Tree Lord Ancient, Spirit of Dofu and Lawmaster. Tree Lord Ancient was my general. Um, he was always a Nard warrior, and he usually had um, Briar Sheaf, and Durfu just had the Oaken Armour, and Branch Witch had the um, Aiken of Ages. I have a unit of 10 Dryads, but this is like my old list, but now since um, I still get that all those artifacts, um, now I've got 10 Dryads, ten, 2 units of 10 Tree Refs, and 2 units of Cone of Hunters. Um, now, I have built so many Cone of Hunters, so I'm pretty much going to be playtesting to see which one I prefer if I want to do heavy bows, or just do one of bows and one of scythes. Um, so pretty much I've got that flexibility now since I have so many from the old General's Handbook. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's really um, lost in my list is one unit of Conifanters and I lost the Free Spirits Battalion. Um, so pretty much my playstyle is going to be not relying on um, the big threat range of Conifanters. It's literally going to be probably just travelling through the Realm route, um, routes. Yep. For it, um, Lawmaster's there to buff up a Durfu. Yeah. It's pretty much like Pikachu and Ash and like Pokemon is <laughs> a killer duo. So I think you'll, yeah, so the, like Liam said, it's basically the new version of an older Nile Root list. And as we've said before, the the changes that given that everyone used to take Nile Root, which had lots of Kurnoth Hunters in it, and then the battalions have gone up and Kurnoth Hunters have gone up, is for all those people that were playing Nile Root before and that want to keep playing Nile Root, I can understand why they're complaining because the army just physically you can't take as much as you could before so well, if you look at it from that perspective you haven't gained anything so well, yes the army is is a little bit weaker um but i think you have to understand that it was probably a bit too good before which is why you always saw it yeah. um especially all those units of colonel hunters you compare them to other units that were in the game they were very 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 strong um especially with bows um which is personally the route i always went just because of having that 30 inch threat range being able to be on an objective while shooting something completely elsewhere on the board um, and also being a ranged unit but super resilient in terms of being able to have a re-rollable three-up save when you're just sitting in cover 
Um, so re-rolling ones, always being within range of the Tree Lord Ancient's command ability, um, even when it's not the combat phase. They were really strong, so they did need to go up. Um, personally, if Games Workshop continued to make tweaks and things like that to the points, it would be cool to see different points profiles for the scythes, the bows, and the swords, um, yeah. as I think there is room potentially to change them. Yeah. Um, but I can understand that. But yeah, so the Norit list there probably that's the least. That's kind of the reason we've gone first is because it's the one that's probably going to be least appealing to anyone that was a Sylvaneth player before and is now listening to this because it's probably just a not quite as good a version as the list they were running before. I feel like you would have to change your playstyle because with that old Norit list, it has so many heavy, um, heavy Kernel hunters. You're pretty much relying on like heavy output damage. But with this now, I've got two units of ten tree reds that just can teleport. Their whole threat range is on the board. Yeah. And they can just rock up to an objective last minute. Yeah. And it's like, cool, I got this. So having two units of ten, piling in six inches, that is still a lot of attacks to kill some little heroes and stuff. And that's actually what won me games, was those um, my one unit of ten tree reds. Yeah. So, so I think um, that's one of the key things to be aware of, is that although Colonel Hunters have gone up, all of your other unit choices have come down by 20 per per war scroll selection so, so cool. tree revenants are only 80 spite revenants are only 80 and dryads are now only 100 um and i actually think that's a, a strength kind of maybe in disguise that the lists are now pushing you away from low model count colonel hunters towards higher model count other units because the game is shifting towards more of a horde meta with more bodies being more important yeah. so actually I think you'll start seeing Sylvaneth actually becoming more competitive because, especially the heavy dryad lists, um, now that you can take 30 dryads for 270 points, whereas before it was 360 points, 90 points saving per unit literally means you take three units that you can get four for the cost of what you would have got three before, um, which is really cool. So, I mean, an army with 120 dryads on the table is only just over 1,000 points as well. Yeah. that's going to be a scary prospect because dryads are surprisingly resilient, minus one to hit, and with kind of all the armor save buffs that they can get by being in cover and being above 12 models, they'll be on a three-up save. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they'll be really decent, actually. Um, and I think there is still place in the list for the odd unit of Colonel Thunder with bows just to help kind of chip off a, a unit yeah. from range or with scythes just to help deal with things that have got high armor that ren 2 could be really useful the swords actually have more of a place now than they ever did yeah. before because of again you're going to see more hordes um yeah. and actually age, two the, damage. yeah that it's extra great. attack and the more consistent damage of damage 2 rather than d3 well with most horde units for example like demons and stuff like bloodlines and stuff they have a five up save neg one rend is means they've got yeah. a six up save now so it's actually gonna they're not gonna save a lot. Yeah, against that's the thing. Against normal units, rend one is is great. Like you didn't need the rend two against normal units, and that's what I mean with the shift in the meta towards more horde units that are gonna be more less quality bodies on the table. Yeah. Swords actually start to become more appealing because you get an extra attack per model and as I say it's consistent damage. So um yeah, I think that's really cool. They've actually just made the three options. Kind of, they've brought in the swords, which, to be honest, you never really saw swords before. Um, um, so it'll be cool. I'm tempted to buy another box just for getting another thing swords. Just I have, have some upstairs, choice. so we can talk later. Okay, <laughs> um, so cool, that's a null root list. Um, just, I've also got a null root list, which is different to Liam's um, and different to what you would have seen before, so I'll just quickly run through my one. So this is a Tree Lord Ancient as the general with Null Warrior, 
um, which is fairly standard, but I take the Moonstone of the Hidden Ways just because I've been using it quite a lot recently and I really like the flexibility that the Moonstone gives you in being able to kind of put your Tree Lord Ancient anywhere, kind of four away from the enemy. Yeah. Um, especially him being the general with Nile Warrior, ignoring that Rend 1, um, you can kind of give him a Mystic Shield so he's got two up re-rolling ones. And because he's part of the household and enemy units can't retreat from household, Putting a Moonstone on him means you can potentially teleport turn one onto the end of a unit or even into multiple units that probably will take a long time to kill you um, of normal things if they don't do mortal wounds or, or things like that. You can teleport him in and just hold up an army for a long for a long time and they have to spend a few turns dealing with him. And yes, he's a general, um, you might not want to lose him, but at the same time, he's not, he's not essential to the list um, and he's only 300 points. And if you can tie up... 300 or more points of your opponent's army then he's what he's done his job already they're, they're, so they're just losing chances to score points and yeah they just it's great um and then i give him regrowth so that he can try and just bring back d6 wounds a turn on himself as well so he just kind of keep himself alive it's just being pain um and then i've got two spirits of death here in the list because one's not enough you know you just gotta have two spirits of death here in there um one of them has a briar sheath um because again, with Household and Naru, I've got three items. So one of them's got a Briar Sheath, which is really cool, just help keep him alive um, with that minus one to hit. It's worth also saying that Tree Lord Ancients, um, Tree Lords, and Spirits of Death, who all have a stomp ability. Yeah. So at the start of any combat phase, so both yours and your opponents, you roll a dice for any enemy units within three inches of any of those models. Um, that's just been FAQ'd. It used to be you'd roll it per model. So if you had multiple tree lords or tree lord ancients or spirits of death who within three inches of a single unit you'd roll for each one yeah. so you could potentially stack this whereas now they've clarified not clarified they've changed it so that it's you just roll it once for any unit that's within three inches of any of them and on a four up that unit's minus one to hit yeah. so if you start stacking that with a briar sheath you've now got a spirit of death that's minus two to hit which is great that's great um and then yeah i've got another spirit of death um so they're awesome because although I've now kind of not got as many... I've not got the Kurnoth Hunters in the list. I always took bows. A Spirit of Death who is a unit yeah, of Kurnoth Hunters with bows no, because no, no, he makes no, no, six no. attacks that are fours and threes, rend one, damage d3. So I've got two units of Kurnoth Hunters with bows effectively in that list, and I've got two chances of swinging that massive Guardian Sword for six damage, meaning they also have to wound both of them, which is not really something you want to do. You want to focus on one thing generally. Yeah. But... They're because kind of, of Sylvaneth being able to regrow, whereas now they're going to have to kind of make a decision which one you want. So you can throw them, basically just throw these at your opponent and do as much as you possibly can, um, especially with teleporting your Tree Lord Ancient. You can keep him in your backfields probably turn one while you run up your two Spirits of Death, and then when they suddenly get in, you can teleport, and then you'll have your Tree Lord Ancient there ready to regrow, giving his reroll saves of one bubble to the two Spirits of Death. It's kind of got three tree lords suddenly in your face to deal with it's three three chances at kind of minus one to hit or spreading that across your whole um opponent's army so that's really cool um and then the final character i've got is a branch witch and now i've given her the silverwood circlet which increases the range of all of her spells by six inches and then she takes throne of vines so this will come up in quite a lot of my lists it's a thing i've been doing since i started playing sylvaneth and i haven't seen I know other people have done it, but I don't see it as common. But I, I love this. Um, I don't think it's a huge points investment, and it can literally win you games. Certain scenarios, it can just win you games as it goes off. But it's what I like to call the Branch Witch Bomb. Yeah. Um, because basically, the Branch Witch signature spell is Unleash Spites. 
So what you do is you roll a number of dice equal to the casting result for each enemy unit within nine inches. And for every roll of a six, that unit takes a mortal wound. So nine inches is quite short range. But in this list, I have 100 reinforcement points, which is for a Bellwind Vortex. So that immediately makes that an 18-inch range. And then the Silverwood Circlet adds another six to make it 24. Before the new FAQ, that used to be 30 inches because everyone assumed that you would add the six to the to the nine and then double it up. Yeah. Now we know that you double and then add six. So it's 24-inch range. But still, being able to roll as many dice as the casting value for every enemy unit within 24 inches and every six is a mortal wound... And she's a safe on a Bellwind Vortex. So if you're against a combat heavy army that doesn't have a lot of shooting, she can sit up there pretty much all game and just really, really whittle away. Yeah. Um, and you'll find that you can suddenly roll gluts of six. If you roll, even if you roll a nine, I've had it where I've had a casting result of a nine and I've rolled five sixes and I've just killed a character in one go. Yeah. It's not common, but you will find you that, that you'll you'll find that you'll roll 12, 13 dice on a unit of... Um, if you have a really high result, you'll you maybe get that on a unit of 20, 30. You'll do nothing. Yeah. Suddenly you'll roll it on a character and you'll completely kill it in one go. So yeah. it's amazing. I've also had it done to me with a changeling, taking my own spell um, and rolling five sixes and just killing me, yeah. uh, which is great. But um, yeah, and then the reason I take Throne of Vines is because of that ability to add D3 to future casting attempts. The reason this one works particularly well in Anaru is because of being able to cast an extra spell. So what I would do is I would cast Throne of Vines first because it only needs a 5. Yeah. So then when that goes off, I'm then adding D3 to my future casting attempts. Yeah. So I then try and summon a Bellwind Vortex and I've got plus D3 from Throne of Vines. And then if I successfully cast a Bellwind Vortex, I can cast another spell. So I'm then casting 3 spells and then that means immediately I'm up on my Bellwind Vortex. I've got D3 from Throne of Vines, plus one for the Bailwind Vortex, and then I'm casting my spell. So if I roll a 12 to cast, I get my plus one from my Bailwind Vortex, and then if I get three on my D3 from Throne of Vines, I'm potentially rolling 16 dice for every enemy unit within 24 inches, and every six up is a mortal wound. She can put out an incredible amount of damage, and she's just a really useful piece that is only 180 points of your army, but can easily get her points back. So it's really cool, and you'll find that in quite a lot of my lists that I go through, because I just think it's a really useful addition to give me range mortal wound output. Yeah. So that's all my heroes. It's quite hero-heavy, but that's quite a common thing with my general list style. Um... But yeah, I really like that. And then my units, I have a unit of 30 Dryads because they're 270 points and I think they're amazing. Again, you're going to need loads of bodies. They're really resilient in a Wildwood, um, being minus one to hit. And if they're fully in cover, they get plus one from being over 12. They're in cover, so they get another plus one. You Mystic Shield them, so they've got another plus one. They've got a two-up save, re-rolling ones from your Drew Lord Ancients command ability if they're in range. Um, then another 10 Dryads and then five True Revenants for my battle line, because I have to take the unit of True Revs to fulfil the household. Um, and that's 1,980 points, and under the old points, it was also 1,980. So although the battalion's gone up 150 points, well, there's 150 point. points of savings across the list. Yeah. So it's exactly the same. It used to be the same cost now, so it just shows... Although on the face of it, you might think your whole army's got expensive because battalions have gone up 150 points. Your units have come down a lot. Pretty much most of the units in Sylvaneth have come down in points. I think yeah. the only ones that didn't come down were Tree Lord Ancients, Spirits of Durthu, and Drycha. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. every other unit came down. Yeah. Um, Dryads in particular have dropped a lot with that Horde discount, dropping 90 points 
across 30 models is, is really good. So, yeah. yeah, so that's um, that's just a couple of examples of Naruto lists. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on. So, I have my Ironbark list, but I'm going to build, which actually has Dwarden. Um, I've also written up a backup one, which is just in case you don't have it, but I really want to talk about this one because this one has a lot of strategy to it. Um, so, Leaders is the Branch Witch, um, and a Tree Lord Ancient, and a Durfu, and an Aether Chemist. So, I am using Caradron. Um, I'm going to mention something afterwards about this list, where you can tweak it if you feel like you want to do something similar. Um, so, those are my heroes. And for units, I've got 10 Dryads, 5 Tree Revs, and a unit of 10 Tree Revs. I'm going to start seeing that I like bringing in um, 10 Tree Revs due to the amount of attacks and also get to pile in 6 inches. They do get to all come in. Um, and also, they will be part of the Household Battalion, so they can't retreat or really holding up some units. Um, and then I've been running a unit of Engine Riggers. So with the Spirit of Death, you can only run the unit of 6. Now, I'll be pretty much equipping them with either 1 or 2 Grapple Launchers. I haven't decided yet. I'm um, still grabbing the models yet, but this is definitely a list I want to build. And I have one Tree Lord to do the household because it's not Naruto, so you have to have a vanilla Tree Lord. Um, so pretty much the idea of this list is Engine Riggers can be, with the Grapple Launchers, can attach to scenery pieces or models with 10 or more wounds. So your Tree Lords and your trees that are pretty much always in your list are making these guys have a bigger threat range. They can get to the board because they treat as fly, um, so pretty much you get to move them, and then you get to select where you want them to go. Yep. On a four up for each grapple launcher, they get to teleport towards that, and they still get to charge. They get to move directly towards, towards it. it. So you yeah. have to be in line. It has been um, mentioned in heaps of FAQs and stuff, and other blogs that uh, Games Workshop have mentioned. Um, and the Aether is there to give them one extra attack. So they're now having two attacks each, um, hitting on threes, winning on twos, nate two, and d3 damage. Um, you do lose attacks for the amount of grapple launchers, so that's why I'm going to figure out how many I want to actually attach. Yeah, so we're obviously saying that we would keep them equipped with the swords and the river guns. So the only thing you'd change is in including either one or two guys with grapple with launchers. Um, yeah, because those swords are just going to rip through stuff that you want gone. Now, here's the thing, that if you want to do a list similar to this, if you want more engine riggers because you want more attacks out of it and just want to run two grapple launchers, Take out the Durfu, put another Tree Lord Ancient in, and then you can make a unit of 9, and then it gets you up to 990, while with a Durfu there and the 6 Engine Riggers, it gets you to 970 due to Durfu's 400 points. Um, artifacts that I'll be running with this is if I run a Durfu, he will just have Oaken Armor, and the Tree Lord Ancient will have um, Briar Sheep, just like my Naruto. But if I'm running another Tree Lord Ancient, which I'm definitely looking at towards, um, I'll be running um, Moonstone with him, so he can just get into combat and just hold things up. I'm um, also going to be trying out the Ironbark Talisman um, on Durfu for a few games to see if plus one to wound on his melee weapons is going to deal some serious damage. Um, so that's pretty much the list. It's generally there. Um, just don't have Colonel Hunters because uh, they're so expensive, but I like to have these engine riggers that can just get where I want them to be. Yeah, Engine riggers are amazing. Um, Carajon have had a lot of nerfs um, in the new FAQ, which has really knocked their competitive playability. But the key unit that didn't change that was really strong anyway is the Ender Riggers. They're the only they're kind of the main unit in the book that one Endron uh sorry, one Aether Chemist buff is all you need to make them really good. Mm. A unit of nine in particular is is where I would be looking, probably with two, maybe even three grapple launchers. launchers because even six guys making two attacks each with the the 
champion making three. You've got what thirteen attacks. They're hitting on hitting on threes, wounding on twos, rend two and d three damage. Um, they've got a twelve inch move. They're rivet guns. They're like three attacks each with rend as well. Yeah. You'll you'll put out a, a decent amount of shooting. Um, and the great thing is. With that grapnel ability being able to launch towards terrain or big models, you pretty much, if you include it in a Sylvaneth list, because you have the ability to summon Wildwoods and set them up, you can pretty much always guarantee, or as close to it, that you're going to be able to shoot them in a direction that you need. Because if there isn't a terrain feature in the direction you need, that means that there's a space for you to summon a Wildwood. Mm. And so it, it's kind of a, as long as you've got the ability to summon a Wildwood... You should always be able to grapnel launch in the fairly good direction that you want to go with them, yeah. um, and it helps with bodies. It helps with um, movement speed and just yeah, just that rend two and damage d three with a decent amount of attacks and really good hit and wound rolls is I think going to be really really good. Yeah, and another thing about it is if the vanilla tree lord, it's a twelve win model and it's part of the household. You charge into combat yeah. and that unit there is now stuck. Yeah. So, did your list have a tree lord ancient in it with a Durthu? Yeah, I've, I'm like I'm just saying like you can do either like a tree lord, yeah. double tree lord ancient or a dirty. Yeah. So the double tree lord ancient list, you'd have two tree lord ancients and a tree lord and nine engine riggers. Yeah, and like that's pretty scary. It is pretty scary because tree lord ancients can hold up in combat, not as well as a dirty. Yeah. Um, the thing. Well, with, in terms of resilience, they're exactly the same. Well, the thing with dirty though, he's literally about a unit of bows by himself and shooting, and then about a unit, a unit and a half of scythes. By himself when he gets into combat, even oh, he he's, well. he's definitely does more damage, but in terms of resilience and just holding up unit, a tree lord ancient holds them up just as well as a death. Well, does. with a moonstone, if you have a tree lord ancient, he can just moonstone over there, and the engine can be like, Cool, we just need to get over there and back him up. Yeah, exactly, you, can, be like, cool, you can use him as the grapnel point. Yeah, you can moonstone so any way you need, and then grapnel. That's why I think these engine are really cool for Sylvanet, especially with Ironbark, because our models can be launched. So just imagine, like, theor- like cinematically, that like these like little dwarves are literally swinging on trees around the battlefield I yeah. think it's awesome uh, yeah I, I, I really liked the possibility that it presents model wise um, I had even thought about using the trees from the Citadel wood kit onto bases and using like metal rod to create the grapnels yeah. from the Caradron so that they the Caradron themselves aren't on their flight stand bases but they're actually firing a grapnel launcher into a tree yeah. And that that is their base. I think there's some really cool opportunities you can do to, to kind of theme them in with your Sylvaneth. Yeah, so I they are definitely up there and that's pretty much the Ironbark War Group list I really want to write. Um and making tree res pretty much more combat y. I remember telling you this little neat trick that I like doing with tree res, so if you're listening and you find tree reps aren't doing what they need to do, they have an ability where you get to reward one dice each phase. So put them if you have mystical on your deployment zone. Put them right next to it. They get to re. If you roll a one, you get to re-roll it. So they're pretty much going to re-roll a wound. So pretty much teleport them over to where you need them to be. They can be near wildwoods as well, and they don't have to roll for traveling through the realmwood yeah. um, routes. So pretty much, and then they get to charge. They get to re-roll that one dice per charge if you fail it. Um, so they're pretty much they're mainly going to be in combat. So they're hitting on threes. No, hitting on fours. Winning on threes. Re-rolling. Make one. One damage. I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, with that six-inch pile-in as well that they get, you can definitely bring a lot of models to bear. Um, yeah. And like you say, I know it's not in that list that you've talked about, but I know we've we've definitely talked about lists that oh. you want to run a unit of 30 Tree it's Revenants. Still, it's definitely still up there. Um, it's... 
because now with the with the price decrease and the hoard discount, a unit of thirty tree remnants before would have cost six hundred points, but you can now get them for four hundred and twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. So for four twenty, you can get thirty tree remnants, which don't rely on your wildwoods. They're one of the few units in the army that actually doesn't need the wildwoods because of their waypipes. You can teleport to within six inches of any board edge. Or a wildwood. So you just do it to board edges and you can get in your opponent's kind of deployment zone or along the sides nine inches away because of stringing them out. And, you can, and then you can re-roll one of those dice per face. Like you say, you pretty much be, unless you roll double one, like two ones in a row for a mystical test, you can pretty much always be re-rolling wounds, which is great. And then you can teleport them and then it's a nine inch charge getting to re-roll one of those dice like it, it really increases their odds of getting in, and then you can pull them in using the extra pylons. If they're in a household, you can hold up your like enemies. What's army. even worse is if you inspire presence and like decide not to use it. That's thirty wounds of your opponent has to transfer. And with the rule about coherency, when you're taking casualties, you don't have to keep coherency, so you can just start taking them out there, and you can still hold up multiple units in combat. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. I think I, it's really cool. I I even looked at the idea of. You can't fit a unit of 30 in for 420, but for 400 points, 25 of them you could take as allies in a few order armies. I thought about taking it in Stormcast because, again, I don't need those Wildwoods. So just getting 25 bodies in that can teleport and get stuff done, I just think it could be really cool. So, yeah, Yeah. I think think big blocks of Tree Revenants can actually be surprisingly Cool. So that's two. That's gone through Nauru and we've gone through Ironbark. Um, I'll go through a winter leaf list now, um, just showing that there are so many options that you can do with this book now. It's not basically just Nauru. Um, this one, I think, is going to be one of my more competitive lists. Um, really looking forward to it, um, kind of as much as Dreadwood, but um, this one as well, because it's going to give me a cool conversion opportunity. So what I've got in the winter leaf is, again, fairly standard, a Tree Lord Ancient as my general with Nile Warrior and Briar Sheath this time. And again, regrowth. So he's pretty much always the same. I generally will have a Tree Lord Ancient with Nile Warrior and Briar Sheath um, or Moonstone, and then he'll always have regrowth as my general. It's fairly standard across my. Um, again, it's got the Branchwood Bomb, Branchwitch Bomb, Silverwood Circlet with Throne of Vines, and there's 100 points of reinforcements in this list for a Bailwind. And then it's got a Branch Wraith, who's got the Acorn of the Ages to give me a guaranteed Wildwood summon. Yep. Um, and then. What the Winterleaf uh, Winterleaf Wargrove gives, as we discussed before, is I can pick any order unit. So I've chosen a Luminarch of Hish with a Battle Mage um, from the Collegiate Arcane. I think these are amazing. For 240 points, they're really, really cool. So what they give you is it's, um, I think it's 11 wounds with a 4-up save. You get a Wizard on top that's got a spell that actually is going to be more and more useful now going into Horde meta. Um, It's Burning Gaze. So it's an 18-inch range. You pick a unit, you do D3 mortal wounds to it, um, but then if it's got a unit of 10 or more uh, models, then it's you times 2, and if it's 20 or more models, then it's times 3. So you can potentially do 9 mortal wounds to a horde of yeah. 20 or more models, which if that's a unit of, say, I'm just going to say Saurus Guard, that can have their kind of 2-up re-rollable armor saves but they're really expensive and they're only one wound each and they have no mortal wound save. Someone takes a big block of 20 of them and you just do nine mortal wounds to it, that's going to really, 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 really hurt them. And they're also going to battle shock. And then, yeah, they'll battle shock even with bravery 10. So that's a really cool spell. But the amazing thing that the Luminarch does is it's effectively a more consistent cannon. 
Yeah. It has a shooting attack that's 30-inch range, and this thing can move 10 inches, so you've got 40-inch threat range with it. It's th one attack, threes and threes, but it's rend two, and it starts off as damage six. Not d6, damage six. Yeah. Which means, that's brilliant. Like, shoot it against anything. Shoot it against a horde. You're doing six. Like, just six is so much stronger than d6. And then, once it takes some wounds, it knocks down to d6, yeah. which is what pretty much every other thing like that starts at. Yeah. So, this is amazing. Like, you can one-shot any kind of foot character, five or six wound hero, like, generally, any kind of wizard only has a five-up save, so against Ren 2, they get no save. So if you can just get that off... And remember, Winterleaf, all Winterleaf units, which this counts as because it's part of the Wargrove, get to reroll hits and wounds of one against Chaos. So if you're playing any Chaos player, this gun is one-shot, sure, but it's threes and threes rerolling ones. Ren 2, damage six. Yeah, it is. To start with. So that's really cool. And also, what did we say about regrowth? You can heal D3 wounds to any unit. So although it's not Sylvaneth, if it does take a few wounds, you can heal it back D3 and try and get it back up to 6. Yeah. The great thing is it's got 30-inch threat range, so it gives you some long-range threat in the army. Yeah. And that's not all. It also has an aura, which starts at 10-inch range, and it basically gives all friendly units a 6-up ward. Yeah. And that was the other thing we said that the army doesn't have, saving its mortal wounds. So this does so much for your list. It gives you range threat. It gives you more magic. It's got a reasonably decent amount of wounds for its save. It's got a good spell against hordes. It's got an amazing shooting attack. And it gives you a 10-inch bubble of a 6-up ward save. Like, it's, it's amazing. It, I, I think it's worth the points, 100%. For 240 points in this list as well. It's that's amazing. your order unit, correct? It's, yeah, that's my order unit. It's amazing. Cool. So that's my heroes. Um, so then my units, I've got... I have to obviously have four units of dryads because of the... Um, requirements of forest folk in a winter leaf so i've got a unit of 30 again to have a nice solid horde yeah another and then i've got a unit of 20 and then i've got two units of 10 cool. so, so i've got your two units there that's going to be I, hard to shift i've got quite a lot of bodies that unit of 30 is going to be awesome um especially when it combines with the other unit i take so i've got five sisters of the thorn this really? is a combination that a few people did run with under the old uh, under the old um general's handbook no it was a winter leaf list before oh, yeah. um where you would take 30 Dryads and 5 Sisters of the Thorn, but it was really expensive because 30 Dryads were 90 points more expensive than they are now. Oh, yeah. um, and generally, Nalroot still was the more... It just made more I sense to take... I didn't see the list as well because they are considered a wizard. But you could take Sisters of the Thorn in Nalroot because, yeah. again, as Liam says, they are um, an Order wizard. But in this, I take them as my ally because I've already used my Order unit, but now the allies... I can either ally in Stormcast or Wanderers. Yes. And Sisters of the Thorn are Wanderers. So I use 220 points to take these as allies. Yeah. And what they do is they have an amazing spell. So for a start, they're a wizard that effectively has 10 wounds because it's a unit of five two-wound models, yep. which means you've got a 10-wound wizard. That's pretty decent. Their shooting attack is actually not bad either. It's like got it's got rend. They've got a decent move. I actually think they're quite a good unit. Yeah. Um, but the spell is what really makes them and why you spend the points. Because they're 220 points, which is quite expensive. Um, but I think it's worth it. So what the spell does is you pick a friendly unit within 18 inches. Um, and that unit gets to re-roll armor saves. Yep. That's pretty great. Cool. But on top of that, any successful armor save of a six or more inflicts a mortal wound back on the attacking after they've made all their... Right. So now we combo that with the 30 dryads. So if you've got a unit of 12 or more Dryads, they add plus one to their save. If they're in a Wildwood or in cover, which all your Wildwoods are, they get saved for being in cover. 
if you Mystic Shield them, they get plus one save. So if you've got a unit of 30 Dryads in a Wildwood with a Mystic Shield on, they've got a two-up save. You cast this, cast a spell on them with Sister of the Thorn, they've now got a two-up re-rollable save, and because that save has actually got plus three to it, any dice roll of a three or more on your armor save counts as a six or more, and therefore bounces a mortal wound back at your opponent. Yeah, that's brutal. So now you've got a super, super, super tanky unit of Dryads. It's got two up re-rollable save, reflecting mortal wounds on threes, with a six up ward save, which in your own turn can get plus one to hit because of enrapturing, so it'll be hitting on threes, re-rolling ones, and any fives or sixes will generate extra attacks because of Winterleaf. That unit of Dryads is amazing. Yeah. And it's 270 yeah. And then you've got the unit of 20, if someone kills that. Even just the units of 10. You can place them out, put this spell on in, in front. If you're facing a combat army, they're going to kill themselves killing you. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant. Um, and then obviously the points for the formation and then the reinforcement points. And that is 2,000 points on the nose for that list. And interestingly, under the old points, this list was physically impossible to run because it cost 2,060 points. Yeah. Also you wouldn't have been able to take both the Sisters the of the Thorn, Thorn and the Luminarch and still maintain your Sylvaneth allegiance. Yeah. So that just shows how the new points have changed this up and actually made a stronger army that you can now do, even with paying an extra 150 points for battalions that you couldn't previously do. Well, maybe just also add, but like with the new Jones Handbook with allies, the only reason why I think they only gave us Stormcast and Wanderers is true to story-wise. And also the fact that we mentioned all these battalions before where we allowed to add in other units we already have enough choice compared to other armies and yeah. stuff like i feel like the one army in order you like in order faction that doesn't get many allies is seraphon because they only can go with stormcast eternal while Silver but it makes sense because they're 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 these demons they kind yeah. of um they the, the allies system they have put together is based on the, the the narrative the story the what makes sense as an ally which is yeah. exactly how it should be which yeah, is great I feel like if they said oh yeah Sylvaneth can be with like these wizard groups and stuff then why would be people want to take Narut I think this is like the way they've done it now it's just like cool we can have Wanderers cool but that used to fill in my order unit slot or whatever now I can actually take that and like as you just done it just now makes it even more of a stronger yeah, so, yeah. So, so this that's list, a great use of allies. Yeah, this list, I think, will be really fun. Um, and the great thing is, I've got... I'm going to use this as a conversion opportunity because I have a Luminarch upstairs that I used for part of my Stormcast army to make a Hurricanum for my Stormcast, which the Hurricanum carriage is being pulled by a Dracoth, yeah. and I've magnetised the, hurri- the actual Hurricanum part to the top of the carriage, and that also means I have the Luminarch gun, which I'm magnetising. I've got a Tree Lord upstairs that I'm going to convert so that he's actually going to hold the Luminarch gun in his hands like he's found, found a Hurricaneum or found a Luminarch carriage. In the forest. And he's ripped it off the top and he's holding it like a giant gun. Yeah. So that will be my Luminarch. And I'll probably put like a Branch Witch or something nestled in his branches as the, the Order Wizard on top. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. It lets me do something conversion-wise, um, to make it still be a Sylvaneth army, but clearly be show what it is. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm really looking forward to playing this army. It's kind of it's got a bit of everything. It's got loads of bodies. It's got quite a lot of magic. It's got loads of resilience. It's got ranged mortal wound output from the Branch Witch Bomb. It's got close combat mortal wound output from the Dryads with Sisters of the Thorn. It's got a long-range shooting gun from the Luminarch. The True Lord Ancients also got um, an 18-inch D6 damage shooting attack. Um, and it's a one-drop army, 
I've got three items, I've got a guaranteed extra wildwood. I think it's a really strong list and I'm really looking forward to playing it. Yeah, I honestly would be looking forward to see that many drives on the table. Um, cool. So this list here, it's not a Uber um, battalion list, it's actually a list where I've used Alarial. I'm sure a lot of people I've seen been discussing saying is Alarial viable now. Um, if you don't want to pay a lot of points for battalions, if you're upset so you think it's not worth it anymore and you just don't understand it, like it's really powerful. I've kind of written up a list that's inspired me to get my Alarial painted. I have her built, she's in grey, and if I wanted to run her, this would be the list I would run it just for the hell of it, because I think it would be lots of fun just to annoy some people. So I have Alarial, and I have a Durfu who's going to be my general. Um, he's going to be the Nard Warrior as always, and he's also going to be taking Glamour Weave. Um, if anyone knows Durfu's um, little ability where he can actually tank wounds for friendly Sylvaneth heroes, so every time when a hero has taken a wound or taken some damage, you roll the dice of how much damage he's taken on a 4-up, he gets to take it, and if it's um, a wound or anything, he gets to take a save. So if Alario has about has to do about four or five saves, and he's nearby. You roll those five on a four up. Durfu gets to do the save instead, and he gets to tank it. Um, and then with the Glamour Weave, he has that six up ward save, where he's now just like after if he fails those saves or those mortal wounds that he's taken, he has a save after that. And then Alario with her ability where she gets to heal D three herself, and then heals. 30-inch bubble of Durf, um, Sylvaneth units D3 as well, so Durf is healing up. And then she'll be also having regrowth to heal another D6 for Durf. So pretty much those two guys are going to be really tough to kill. You have to commit, um, but Durf is going to make it a little bit harder for you nearby. Um, my units near it would be a unit of 10 Dryads, 5 Tree Revs, and a unit of 30 Tree Revs, a Tree Lord, and the Household Battalion, and the unit of 30 Tree Revs will be in the Household. And also Branch, which is also in the hero, which I forgot to mention. And her spell is going to be Verdant Blessing, just so she can just put some wards down the table. Um, and also, since I got a battalion there, she also has um, Acorn of Ages to get one thing down in the start of the game. Um, 30 Tree Rose is generally there for a meat shield, just to be annoying. Um, and the unit of 5 Tree Rose will be my Suicide Squad to just kill off some minor heroes. That's pretty much what the list is generally at. Um, or just claim objectives late just game. Claim objectives just, late game. Yep. Um, so generally how I wanted to play it is 30 trios will actually rock up to my opponent's front line, like right in front of them, not using the um, ruling the wildwood ability. Charge in, and then you have to go throughout the back just shooting and um, allow just throwing his spear at whatever needs to do D6 damage. So um, I feel like it will be a bit of fun. It will get me inspired to paint my Alarial and the Beetle because um, it is a beautiful, beautiful model. Also, she gets to cast three spells, which I think is an awesome ability, so it replaces that Gnar root where every wizard gets to cast two spells each. Yeah, that's what we're talking about in terms of her maybe having increased viability where not every Sylvaneth list you're going to look at is going to be Gnar root where they're casting additional spells. It now suddenly makes taking Alarial, who can cast three spells standardly, more appealing. Um, she didn't get a huge price drop, so it's not kind of a... What's the? It's not a, an isolated change of her suddenly making her more viable because she only decreased twenty points. But every little helps. But it is more the fact that you're going to see a lot more Sylvaneth lists that aren't Naruto now. So being able to take a wizard that can cast three spells um, is going to really help. Because an aura of healing. And yeah, the healing. Um, she's just she's really cool. She can die easily. Um, not easily. It still takes a lot, but she can. As someone that used her recently at a tournament, where I also had two Tree Lord Ancients, even though she has four more wounds and has all the additional healing, 
because she can't take a command trait, but more importantly, because she can't take a briar sheath for that minus one to hit, yeah. I actually found that she was less survivable than a 12 wound Tree Lord Ancient. Um, but she also can just do amazing damage. Like, her beetle isn't amazing to hit, but given that, again, you're going to start seeing bigger, more models on the table that don't necessarily have amazing armor saves, but they're going to be higher model count. Her beetle getting plus one to hit against units of five or more means suddenly it's going to be hitting on threes. If there's damn terrain, damn terrain is Alarial's best friend because yep. you basically take it for no risk whatsoever because she automatically heals 2d3 in her hero yeah, phase. So you you pretty much should always never take any wounds really from damn terrain. Mm. So if you can get that and then fly her in 16 inches and charge into something, you're hitting on twos with those five attacks from the beetle that do damage five each. You will just delete hordes every turn. Yeah, I and just having, as I said, I think the most fun bit is just literally having Durfu, like a spirit of Durfu, just like walking over side, making sure she's cool, just keeping her alive. And yeah, so I feel like it'll just be a bit of fun and it just gets me inspired to do some more hobby um, since she's been grey for over, almost a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I kind of got mine painted for the recent tournament, so, well, started painting tabletop, so. Tabletop standard, it's yeah. still, I feel like it's going to be one of those models where I'll just be taking my time with it. So yeah, so that's, yeah. that's my list where it's just it's just a minor battalion. It's not an uber one. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, the household is definitely my up there as my favorite battalion due to the non-retreating. Yeah. Rule. So you're holding up your enemy for one or two. Cool. Um. Right. Next, I'll move on to Dreadwood, and I think that this is maybe my favorite because it's just got some tricks that are going to be cool. I say it will catch people out, but anyone listening to this podcast is not going to be caught out. But yeah. I don't like to to do well in games through my opponent's naivety so um yeah i'll talk through the list and how it works and maybe this sounds like something really appealing to you um basically it's got my standard general tree lord ancient with Nile warrior a briar sheath and regrowth mm-hmm. um then it's got dreicher hammerdreth um i equip her with the squirmlings um i always would before even before the new faq stating that her flitter furies no longer hurt sylvaneth units which is great yeah. um being able to hurt lots of units is really cool but I also I always thought the squirmlings had more um, were more powerful because they did a much higher rate of mortal wounds and especially now you're going to be facing hordes. Dreicher on her own is going to score so many points because for anyone that doesn't know, Dreicher's squirmlings have a 10 inch range. It's a shooting attack, um, and basically what you do is you pick an enemy unit within um, and you roll a dice for each model that's within 10 inches of her, and for each result that kind of exceeds the number on her chart which decreases as she takes damage they take a mortal wound but it starts off on a three up um so basically if you can get her in range of a unit of 30 models for example and they're all within range of 10 of her like she gets up into combat or something like that then you roll that dice you roll 30 dice and basically 20 you do 20 mortal wounds to that unit so basically you, you you just kill a unit um and the cool thing is, Dreicher, her other ability is that she kind of changes moods. So at the start of each battle round, you roll a dice, and on a 1, 2, 3, she's enraged, and on a 4, 5, 6, she's embittered. So when she's enraged, um, you double the number of attacks she makes in close combat, and she starts at 6. So you actually make 12 attacks with her that are 4s and 3s with Brend 1, damage 2. So she's a unit of Colonel Thunters with swords on her own when she's enraged, which is really good. Again, she's really good against hordes. Um and then you get to re-roll any dice that roll ones when attacking with a colony of Flitter Furies, but I won't have them. But it means if I'm enraged, then I get to double my combat output, which is cool. Yep. Otherwise, I'm, she's embittered. 
So you subtract 2 from the number of wounds she's taken when you refer to her damage table. Basically, keeping her on, even if she's taken 4 wounds, you subtract 2. So instead of her squirmlings doing mortal wounds on 4s, they're doing it on 3s. Um, so it just makes them more damaging. And also, you get to reroll any dice of a 1 when she attacks with her squirmlings. So actually, those against a horde of 30, it's you're doing like 23s and then another 5 1s that you get to reroll. It, you're going to do so many mortal wounds with her. Um, and the great thing about that is by equipping her with the squirmlings is no matter what result you roll, you're going to get a benefit to her. Because if she's enraged, you get the extra attacks in combat, which you'll yeah. have. And if she's embittered, you get the better power of your squirmlings. Whereas if you take the Flitter Furies, you never really want her to be embittered because she doesn't really get much benefit from it other than a slightly increased range on her Flitter Furies from the subtracting two from the damage table. Um but I think she's she's just really cool. Um, she's a beautiful she's model. got yeah, she's an awesome model. She's got a nine inch move. She's got a three up save as well. Only ten wounds, not twelve. Um, it's not that big of a model but compared it's, to a tree lord. Yeah, but she's pretty decent. Um, you also get to reroll wound rolls of one for spite revs within ten inches of her. Um, that's not really important if you're taking a dreadwood list because in dreadwood all your spite revs wherever they are get to reroll wound rolls of one. Yeah. But it's it's still cool just for her. Um, and she's also a wizard. So she gets to cast a spell. You can give her a spell from uh, the Deepwood Spell Law. She gets so, to cast two, right? Uh, no, just one. Just one? Um, so I give her Verdant Blessing to just use her to try and summon some Wildwoods. Uh, and then she has her own signature spell, which is Primal Terror. So it, it only needs a six to cast. Um, you roll a dice for each enemy unit within ten of her, and you add two to the result. For each point by which it exceeds the highest bravery in that unit, they take a mortal wound. So again, she's she fits with the the spites and the kind of dreadwood generally in the outcasts of punishing low bravery armies and going against bravery. Um, so again, even though you only roll one dice, you get to add two. Yep. So even against something like Stormcast, you roll a six, you're doing two mortal wounds, and you the cool thing with this is you get to do it to each enemy unit within ten. Um, but also it's one of those spells that you aren't necessarily going to want to cast all the time which yeah. with sylvaneth is kind of a benefit because it means you can use her to either cast a mystic shield or use your verdant blessing that sort of thing or so that one. Yeah, it's quite cool um so yeah she's in the list she's only 280 points and to be honest i think she's actually worth putting in pretty much any uh, any sylvaneth list now just because of her ability to fight she will she can die very quickly um, especially she can't take items or command yeah. traits because she's a named character. Well, that's the thing. Um, it just depends on your list build because I don't really like wasting artifacts. That's just yeah. not my style. It's just like the thing I'm paying for those points for is for artifacts. Yeah. Like, I honestly would want to put in a list. I will. I am trying to fit her in some cool list that I like because yeah. I'm just going by the rule of cool. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. also the fact that you there will also be a lot of lists that, although pretty much all the lists we're going through use kind of the full battalion so actually they do have a lot of artifacts and stuff like that and they or they all the ones that liam's gone through have the household like a lot of armies will have less battalions in so you will only need one character to take an item so you yeah. can just take dreitcher and you won't be wasting items yeah um but i think she she has so much utility now especially moving forward into this kind of horde meta i think it's kind of cool that the name um, characters now do have viability yeah and also you're taking dreadwood which is the outcasts, which Dreitcher is like the leader of. So, I, it's it's totally kind of in line with the fluff and stuff. So, so she's in there, um, and then I again have my branch witch bomb. So, <laughs> I've got my branch witch th with throne of vines as my spell and a hundred reinforcement points in the list. However, 
with this version in Dreadwood, I don't take the Silverwood Circlet. I've got the Acorn of the Ages, which is the automatic set up a wood within five. So that's three heroes. So now the other three heroes all utilise my allies, because I've put in three Knight Heraldors from Stormcast. So now, if anyone knows what a Knight Heraldor does, one of its rules in particular is Thunderblast. So in your shooting phase, you can basically pick a terrain feature within 15 inches. Now, Wildwoods are terrain features. You roll a dice, and every unit within that many inches of that terrain feature, so in it or within that many inches of it, takes D3 mortal wounds. Now, that will hit you as well, so you don't want to be near it. But if your opponent is near terrain in their... Um, in their deployment zone or anywhere on the board or you just put a wildwood somewhere where you know your opponent wants to go if they go there you've got three heraldors that can just blow it up and do 3d3 mortal wounds to everything within range of it so it's it can create huge areas of kind of board denial and things like that but the reason it's particularly great in this list I'll get onto in a second so the units, obviously I've got four units of five Spite Revenants because I have to include at least four units of them in the Outcast Battalion that I take within Dreadwood. Yep. So I've just got five units, uh, sorry, four units of the bare minimum of five. And then I've put in a unit of 30 Dryads because I need some more bodies in the list. And again, they're really solid. They're so solid. They're just solid for bodies. They can hold an objective for a long time if they're in cover with the Mystic Shield on them. They can put out a surprising amount of damage against lightly armoured units with all the attacks they get. Um, and I just think 30 Dryads is so worth it for 270 points, so I'll pretty much always put And then it's just the Outcasts, Battalion, the Dreadwood, and then my 100 reinforcement points. Uh, so what this does is remembering that you've got the subterfuge rules at the start of the game. So on the first battle round, this army is... Unfortunately, it's not one drop because of including the three Heraldors. They are not Sylvaneth units, so they don't count as being part of the Dreadwood yeah. Battalion. So by including three of them, it makes this army a four drop. But in the new in the game going forward, you still will likely outdrop most people with four drops. Yep. Not all people, but most, most people. people. But what this lets you do is at the start of the game, and by that point, you're going to know if you're going first or not. You can use... You roll the dice to see how many of the stratagems you get to use. Now, the trick with this list, you only need one. So you know you can always do this. And that's the redeploy any unit, any one of your units, six inches away. Because basically, if your opponent is huddled up in their deployment zone or anything like that, and there's a space, there's a nice space for some wildwoods um, to be placed one inch away from them and terrain, what you do is you pick up your branch witch... Where <laughs> you pick up your branch witch from wherever you've deployed her on the battlefield and you put her basically obviously as, as long as she's more than six inches away she doesn't necessarily have to be that close but basically you put her six inches away from your opponent's army but not in the space where you want to then set up some woods so you then are going first so you've done that before the game starts and you put her there you then start the game it's your hero phase you use your acorn of the ages with her and you deploy a big wildwood Ideally, you would put two Wildwood bases in a line right. next to each other, wrapping to one inch of your opponent. And then in the middle, you put the other one lengthways back towards your deployment zone to make it closer so, to your heraldors that are in your deployment. So you've got three bases of woods down, which will cover a huge amount of board. And with your heraldors, even though it's a shooting attack, it's not actually a missile weapon, which means you can run right. and still do it. do it. So if you've deployed on your 12-inch line, your Wildwoods have to be more they have to be closer to you than your opponent's 12 inch line they're about eight inches long and about five inches wide so within being one inch they should be about 
13 inches towards you. So you should only realistically be nine inches away. Yeah. Now, that's already fine for your Herald doors, but just pointing out that you've got a 15-inch range, a 5-inch move, and you can run. So pretty much, even if you can't put that extra wildwood pointing out towards you, you should still be able to put two in a line in front of your opponent where they've deployed and be able to reach them turn one with all three Night Herald doors. So then that's basically what you do. Turn one, you do your hero phase, do everything else you want to do. Cast spells, cast mystic shields, do whatever you want. But um, the woods with, are going off. With your branch witch, you go for your throne of you can go for your throne of vines. Um and then cast that. Or if you really want, you can just try and cast a bell in Vortex. Just turn one, just go for it on a seven, and then go for her spell. And remember you'll be right in front of your opponent's army with her because she was only six inches away. So if you just manage to get the bail in Vortex off, you can then cast her Unleash Spite spell, at everything hitting everything within 18 inches, which should be pretty much your opponent's entire army with her spell. So you get to hit them with that. And then you blow up the woods three times with the Night Herald Doors, and you just do a huge amount of also multiple woods. go off from magic. And then if the woods go off from her casting her spells, you can do more. So you can potentially just put out an insane amount of mortal wounds from this on turn one. Bearing in mind, you can keep doing this until your opponent has managed to kill those Heraldors, and then it's so many targets they have to essentially kill four characters to kind of stop this mortal wound output. Yeah. Um, and the other cool thing is, because of the Spite Revenants, remember the standard rule they get on their War Scrolls, and then also from the Outcast Battalion, this is mainly their War Scrolls, is that any terrain feature within eight inches of two or more units of Spite Revenants is horn, which means that your opponents are at they have to roll um, Battleshock on 2d6 and use the highest. Yeah, that's great. So it also means that because you can probably make those... You can either deploy those Spite Revs off the table, which you probably can, you can. or you can just put them on the board and run them forwards because they've got a move of seven, I think. They're fast. Um, you can basically get two or more units within range of that Wildwood that you set up by your op opponent's deployment zone turn one, so that when you force that Battleshock on loads of their units turn one from blowing up all those Wildwoods, they're going to be within eight inches of that Wildwood, and then they're going to be taking Battleshock on two dice and picking the higher. So it just compounds the effect of blowing them all up. Turn one, you going first, they won't be immune to Battleshock, they won't have any command abilities in play, it, it could just be so punishing. Um... So, yeah, I think this is going to be really fun. It wasn't a possible list before, again, because of the ally system has brought this in. Um, and also Dreadwood becoming revs. much cheaper. And Spite um, Revs becoming battle line now. And, yeah, Spite Revs being battle line. And, again, those Spite Revs, that haunted ability, combining with Dreicher, because her spell works off of bravery. Um, any enemy units within three inches of Spite Revs are at minus one bravery as well. So there's just loads of things that will combine with the bravery. Um, the other amazing thing is all of that works no matter what because you just roll one of those three stratagems. If you get the others, it's even better. It's if you get two, you use the movement one. Dreicher, you deploy her on your 12-inch movement. She's got a 9-inch move. You get to pick three units from your army to move before the game starts. So you pick Dreicher as one of them and then you can pick 30 Dryads as the other one and then you can pick the tree lord ancient start getting him up the table whatever you want to pick that's kind of the slower moving stuff but the reason you pick dreitra is you move her forwards nine so then in your first movement phase you move her forwards another nine so she's now 18 inches forwards so if your opponent deployed on their 12 inch line she's only six inches away so you can get her to the side six inches away potentially from a massive horde you're already in range turn one for her big squirmlings attack you delete a horde that wasn't even next to the wildwood 
So if they've got a horde off to one side, you can see that knowing you're not going to... Yeah, if they've put a horde off to one flank, you can set up Dreitcher opposite that knowing I don't need my Wildwood to be anywhere near that because Dreitcher's going to deal with that. And then if you get all three, you can use limit the range of your opponent's attacks to 12 inches. So your Heraldors are probably safe until next turn and things like that. So I just think there's there's a lot of tricks in this army and it can it could do really 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 well so i'm really looking forward to running it um so that's dreadwood um liam do you have any other list you wanted to go I through i don't really have any other ones some of them are just like amendments like saying if you don't want dwarden units in um Andrew, you can just put in chrono hunters instead that's all i really can say if you don't yeah wanna... uh, or as we said you could take 30 volkite berserkers yeah um oh, Grinsmith, like, tunneling yeah. them up just looking at all those kind of abilities you can do that i myself uh, i just like the uh steampunk look on um, the Caradron, yeah. uh, they were cool models, so that's what drew me into doing even Ironbike more. Yeah. Um, I think even potentially 30 Arcanauts underneath. Taking the, like nine light skyhooks and having a load of bodies. Yeah. I just like the whole thing about them like, flying around with trees. Yeah. It's just like, to me, I just find it hilarious. Like, I would just have a good giggle out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's also the like grapple launchers. If there's like a big beastie, you can actually pick an enemy unit to like grapple onto. Yeah. So if your opponent has like a lot of change but you want deleted, yep. just grapple onto it. Yeah. I know that makes it sound super easy because you have to roll dice to actually see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it's just kind of cool that you have these little flying dwarves with some tree people and they're just going like, yeah, cool. So that's the kind of thing that's like making this new General's Handbook and Sylvanet even more fun. I know the chemists got buffed, um, went up in points and stuff, and they also got nerfed and everything, but... I think they needed it though. Oh, they needed it. And also they have a pretty good shooting attack as well. Yeah, they're amazing. Got an amazing shooting attack. Rend, so, Rend 2 and 3d6 shots is, yeah, really good. Um, so, he is great. So, I don't, I'm not going to miss... I do have a lot of Colonel Hunters at home. They can have a rest for a year. But there's also still potential use for Colonel Hunters. Oh, they, um, there's, there's always a... As use. I'm going to talk through now, when I move on to... Here's a possible Harvest Boon Wargrove list you can do. So, this one is very different to the other ones that I've talked about. So, this one, my general, is actually a Spirit of Dearthu. Um... And he takes a Briar Sheath, but he takes Warsinger as the command trait. So that is the one that gives you plus one charge that we mentioned a little bit earlier. So he's got plus one charge to himself and all friendly units within 10 inches. Uh, then I also take two Branch Wraiths, because for Harvest Boon you have to take a Forest Folk Battalion, which is three units of Dryads and two Branch Wraiths. So I've got the two Branch Wraiths. One has the Acorn of the Ages and Regrowth. The other has Ranu's Lamentiri and Verdant Blessing, just to help increase my casting. Remember, both the Branch Wraiths in a Harvest Boon get plus one to cast. So actually that Branch Wraith with Ranu's Lamentiri, when it's casting Verdant Blessing, has got plus three to cast. Yeah. That's really strong. So you, you're going to need a pretty decent wizard to try and shut that down, or some your opponent's going to need some good luck to stop those spells, which is really cool. Um, and again, you've got your Acorn for another guaranteed Wildwood. Um, and then a regrowth just on a branch wraith that people aren't really going to want to focus on, but have to. So then my battle line, I've obviously got three units of dryads. One of them is a 30. Again, 30 dryads. I can't tell you enough how good that is. There's a common theme in our lists. Yeah, I, I don't think I've said a list that doesn't have 30 dryads in yet. And every single list I have will have one in because it just... Honestly, a unit of 30 is just going to be staple in Sylvaneth. It's it's just not worth not taking. Um, and then two units of 10. And now we get... I've actually got some Colonel Hunters in my list, and now this is a massive change for me because I always, for the last year, have been touting that I would only ever take Colonel Hunters with bows because of the tactical ability of sitting on an objective, not moving, while shooting your opponent somewhere else on the board. Um, 
but now that they're more expensive and I, I just can't find the points, I want to take more dryads and things like that and the battalion's going up. I just can't find the points for bows now with their kind of hitting on fours. They're a bit spiky. Um, but in this list, I think they have a use. So yeah, what's this thing called damn terrain? Yeah, <laughs> but you can't rely on damn terrain because you never know you're going to get some. Um, but this list has nine Colonel Hunters with scythes in a single unit. I wonder who was always saying scythes are great. So I wonder who yeah, was saying that. <laughs> so it's six hundred and sixty points, which is an awful lot. Yeah. But the cool thing is, because Spirit of Dirthy doesn't have a command ability, it frees you up to always be doing inspiring presence on those Colonel Hunters. So, and you can cast a Mystic Shield on them, so they can have a three up rerollable save in the charge phase. If they fail the rerollable. Save if they didn't charge that. Yes. Um, but anyway, you have nine Colonel Hunters with Scythes, which yep. is 27 attacks with Ren 2 damage D3. And then that's it. It's the Forest Folk and the Harvest Boom. one unit of nine Colonel Hunters? One unit of nine. So what you do with this is you put it, you teleport it turn one. You can basically set up a Wildwood near the middle of the board. You free one that you get at the start of the game. You set it up basically in the middle, on the centre line. That's how I always do. And then you use your acorn, yep. turn one in your in your deployment zone to make sure you set up a wood to have it within three inches of your Durthu and your nine Colonel Hunters. You then teleport the Durthu and the nine Colonel Hunters through, nine inches away from your opponent from that middle wood because you can string them out if you need to or generally if you've got a wood in the middle of the table... Placing those models within three of that should get you nine away from your opponent's deployment zone. And then you attempt to charge. So you only need... Obviously, you could roll a six when you move through the wood, meaning that you get to move again anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, but if you do move, you'll be four inches away, which then actually means you can't fail this charge. Because what you get is all Harvest Boon units are plus one to run and plus one to charge. So you're plus one to charge. And then Warsinger, your command trait on your Durthu, gives you plus one to charge in a bubble. So both your Durthu and those nine Colonel Hunters have got plus two to charge. So only needing a seven-inch charge. So And that's if you teleport and you end up nine away. You only need a seven. And if you teleport and you get to move, you only need a two, so you physically can't fail. Yeah. So that's where that unit of nine can be really handy because it's got a much higher chance the turn it teleports of getting into combat. So you can use it, hit somewhere, and then potentially teleport away and have a much higher chance of hitting somewhere else rather than sitting there and not doing anything for a turn. I... I myself have a belief just like when it comes to Colonel Hunters, I like running small units of three due to the Huntmaster ability getting plus one to hit. But that's just me, but I do like seeing unit of nine. I think I'd be pretty cool just seeing unit of nine sides being like really charging in, slicing through, and it's go, cool, who's next? Yeah. Yeah, let's keep going. And I think how keep many going. times have how many times do you play a game where you get to a situation where you're like, Right, I need to kill this unit now and say with a unit of three you you'd just be like it, oh it should do it but at the end of the game at the end of the day it's a dice game yeah. and you can ro- have a few bad rolls you won't kill that unit and then you suddenly get stuck and then it can lose you the game yes taking nine is going to be excessive at killing most units but it should pretty much mean that you you're going to have to roll abysmally to not kill what you need to kill because of that rend 2 as well there's a lot of things in the game that have ignore rend 1 seraphon are going to become much more prevalent basically all of the seraphon army that has shields ignores rend 1 doesn't ignore rend 2 so you can just start obliterating stuff Um, even even temple guard sorry saurus guard having a 2 up re-rollable save ignoring rend 1 they've got a 4 up re-rollable save and if you send 27 attacks at them 
with D3 damage, like threes and threes, it's going to do a lot. And especially if there's damn terrain, the great thing with taking one unit of nine is if there is damn terrain, you can string out. If there's multiple damn terrain, you can string out and get it so you could get plus two to the unit if you wanted it, which will get you over any unit having, say, a minus one to hit. You'll still be hitting it on twos. But also, if there's only one, you won't kill a model and all nine of those Colonel Hunters get the benefit of it. And then one regrowth heals it back. So I think it could be really cool. Um, and I am someone that has never used Colonel Hunters with size as well. And oh, I've okay. built all of mine with bows. Oh, so we might need to swap. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's just an example of a Harvest Boon list that you could do. Um, and then finally, as I know we're running on probably about the two hour mark now, we're nearly at the end. So that's what we kind of were aiming for is the narrative Guardians of Valerial list, um, which is something I ran before. So this is fairly similar to kind of how I've been running it before. Um, I just basically get to take more dryads because of the, the reducing cost. Although the battalion's gone up 100 points, taking a unit of 30 has come down 90 points. Um, so this list is it's pretty much prescribed for you by the formation. I take two Tree Lord Ancients, one General, Null Warrior. I take the Moonstone with him so that he can teleport and with regrowth, the other one takes a Briar Sheath and Verdant Blessing. Then the Branch Wraith, who is the Lady of the Vines, also takes regrowth, just to help try and keep her alive or cast it on something else. And then my Lord Castellan. And then I have 30 Dryads, 10 Dryads, 10 Liberators, 5 Liberators, 10 Judicators, Guardians of Lariel, and that's 1990. Under the old points, it used to be 2000, so it's come down in 10 points. So hey, you might get a free Triumph now for your money. Um... But yeah, and before, you now get 30 Dryads and 10 Liberators. So, like I said before, with those Liberators in the right circumstance, in cover with a Mystic Shield, in range of the Lord Castellan, they've got, a, they've got a zero up Savory Rolling Ones with Bravery 10. And then 30 Dryads can be almost as resilient with the two up save re-rolling ones from the um, Tree Lord Ancients command ability. You've got two Tree Lord Ancients in there for some decent resilience. They can if you get lucky with those d 6 what you'll find is 90% of the time with Tree Lord Ancients, three attacks that are d6 damage each, you'll basically do one or two damage. You might get one attack through and then you'll roll a one or a two. Yeah. Every now and then you'll get two two or three attacks through and you'll do 11 or 12 damage and they'll do amazingly well and you'll kill a whole unit of Blight Kings or something like that in one go. And you just but you on the back. Thank you, can't, you can't rely on it, but no. it's useful to know that they have that potential um but they're mainly you should be using them defensively i find is they they're there more to hold stuff up and they will hold it whilst casting magic and doing and kind of just doing mortal wounds from proximity especially if you can get a wildwood near your opponent stand one or even both of them in it holding up your opponent casting spells just doing mortal wounds through casting spells um regrowing they're just really useful roadblocks. Yeah, and then right. having having 30 Dryads to be really resilient and then 25 Stormcast models with that hero as well is also a nice, really resilient block that is autonomous. It doesn't need the Wildwoods. Yep. Or the great thing is it can sit in a Wildwood, but then it doesn't need a wizard near it setting yep. off the Wildwoods. Um, so you can just create blocks with that um, in terms of something like Take and Hold or the kind of any any scenario where you're trying to hold on to an objective, you just plonk them there. You've got a wall of 10. You can have a wall of 5 in front of that. You've got a Castellan sitting kind of bubble wrap behind that. You 10 Judicators behind that. Judicators are a really good shooting unit as well to add into your Sylvaneth unit. Um, 
In terms of allies for Sylvaneth, Judicators are actually a really nice addition. 320 points for 10 of them, um, probably in two fives to make the use of the primes of the Shock Bolt bows. Yeah. They'll do a lot of damage. Playing against Chaos, having that reroll ones to hit, hitting on twos, doing D6 damage with the prime, uh, D6 hits with the Shock Bolt bow. With Rend at 24 inch range, 29 inch threat, um, Judicators are a really good addition. So being able to take these in with a narrative Sylvaneth battalion and have all of the Sylvaneth Allegiance ability is really cool. Yeah, I think yeah, these some of these lists here are just going to be cool and different. Um, if you guys are listening and you're thinking about lists, like you can always like mend it. Like these are just what we're thinking for our playstyle. Oh yeah, this is stuff. It's like, like I said, this... we're not saying like this is the new meta. Yeah. Even though even though thirty dryads and thirty tree is gonna. Yeah, hurt. you you will you will see thirty dryads in most Sylvaneth lists now because. It, it makes sense. It, yeah. It's a great choice, and it's something that Sylvaneth needed, and it will really help them actually compete because of model count. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's because in the last year I had book, for 120 points for 10 wounds, it was a bit too expensive. Yeah, with a 5-up save. Yeah. 4-up save, 15 wounds re-rolling, it was just like, cool, we're going to take as much yeah. as this exactly. as we can, and that's, and that's what happened. And that's not balance. At the end of the day... Yes, I understand that some people will be upset because they see that their army has got hurt. But I think if, you, if you're if you fair and you're honest and you take the time to sit back, don't have a knee-jerk reaction, you look at the points of your units compared to units across the other Grand Alliances and even just other order units, and you don't just consider your army in a vacuum, you consider it in terms of the overall game and the meta and the other unit options that other armies have... You will see that Colonel Hunters were too good. They did too many things too well for the points. Yeah. If I'm honest, I think 220 may be too expensive because in a pure Sylvaneth list, I actually think they at 180 they could have been appropriate because it's not like even under the old points, pure Sylvaneth, Naruts were winning every tournament. They actually really... I don't know of many tournaments that they won. I think they were usually up there and they were very prevalent because they're a popular army, but they weren't winning that many because people would invest in Colonel Hunters, which meant that they were handicapping themselves in having not that many bodies on the table. Um, And I actually don't think Colonel Hunters were that. Therefore, they weren't under-costed in a pure Sylvaneth army. The reason they had to go up, however, is because of order still being able to just cherry-pick. And when you can take Colonel Hunters... With bows for 180 points, add in hurricanums, and, and then make things. up model low model. You can make up cheap high model count bodies from other order factions like skinks and things like that. They were too good, too looking at them from a grand alliance perspective, and yeah. that's why the points have gone up. Um, but I think you just have to look at other factions. If you go across to chaos and you look at Nurgle demons, for example, you look at plague drones. They're 220 points for three models, 15 wounds. They are they are the exact equivalent of Colonel Hunters. They are probably a bit more resilient because of the 5-up resilient save and the fact that you can get whole models back, um, D3 models back on a Battleshock test of a 1, potentially. Yes, they don't really have the damage output that you could argue. However, there are ways around increasing their damage output through Mortal Wounds by allying in... If you keep Nurgle, you can use Plague Priest to do Wither and add plus 1 to Wound Rolls. So then you can start increasing their Mortal Wound output. Yeah. So, but looking at it in terms of 220 wounds, 200, 220 wounds, 220 points for three models, 15 wounds, it, it's like for like with Colonel Thunters now. Yeah. Um, so that's I, why. And I still like them. They were the reason why I got into Age of Sigma. Uh, I will still be playing with them, but I feel like now with this new general handbook, I am going to play around my other second favorite unit, which is the True Reds. Which yeah, I and, think and that is, 
At the end of the day, Games Workshop is doing this to keep the game fresh and exciting and new so that we are constantly finding reason to go through the book and come up with new lists and new ideas and experiment with new models and find things that we like so that there isn't just, oh, if you play Sylvaneth, do this list. Like, I am so excited by these changes. Hopefully oh. us talking through these lists has got you excited too and you can see that how actually, even though battalions have got more expensive with the points of the individual units coming down a lot of these lists are actually legal now where they would have cost more than 2,000 points Once. under the old book so just please if you're a Sylvaneth player that used to play for Nauru or heavy Kurnoth Hunter armies and you're kind of despairing that your army isn't competitive anymore I urge you just take another look hopefully you've really move. found this this episode interesting um and yeah, you can you can get in touch with us. Um, you can get in touch with me on Twitter um, at CD Welfare One, uh, or you can find the Mortally Wounded Facebook page. Um, and just yeah, hit us up with ideas that you have for lists. If there's anything you liked, anything else you wish that we would have covered in this episode in terms of content or depth um, for future episodes in terms of how to play an army. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add, Liam, before we wrap up? Um... That's pretty much it. Um, my biggest tip is heaps of practice games and also get as many Citadel Wildwoods as you can. Um, maybe eight, I think, is we've decided is a good number. Yeah, I think eight is probably the ideal. Number. It lets you have a couple of threes or twos I know it's a and good then the odd one. It's a question that a lot of people ask is how many, what, like, how many Citadel bases should I buy? Yeah. And when I tell them that it's eight, they get quite shocked saying, like, that's a lot. I'm like, no, but... Yeah, your points are being costed, and also the amount of terrain yeah. that is getting put on t- tournaments tables and even like in stores. Um, you can only really fit max eight. And... Yeah, I I had five, and I was playing with five for a while, and I I just found that I was always wanting a few more, um, yeah. and I've got to eight, and most of my number. games I can get eight down, but then I wouldn't ever need another one. I've uh-huh. used all the space of the board. Eight, eight is, I think, ideal. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. It's on the higher side. But um, I think if you have any less than five, yep. you're going to struggle with the army just in terms of getting the maximum utility out of your woods. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing I should mention um, besides that. Um, that's it, really. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, one thing it might just be quickly worth um, mentioning is just in terms of how strategic you need to be when kind of summoning and placing your wildwoods and putting them on the board um bearing in mind models can't move over the holes of the trees um and the gaps between the trees on citadel wood bases are different sizes now there is a gap on those bases that is two and a half inches wide and tree lord ancients tree lords spirits of Durthu, the center of their base is three inches wide so you can't move those models through those gaps. So if you put a wildwood down and you teleport one of your models through, like a spirit of Dirthy or something, and you're planning, you place them nine inches away, maybe in the middle of your wildwood behind one of those gaps, and you're planning on charging, just make sure that you've put them in a position where you're not planning on charging through a two and a half inch gap with one of those models because they can't fit. And I think people can get annoyed playing against Sylvaneth where you're restricting all of their movement um, potentially if they've got big monsters and things like that, where you'll be like, oh, your base can't fit, so you can't attack me. It can be a bit frustrating to play against. So just make sure that you aren't abusing that on your side and that you, if you're playing the army, you you really should be on top of knowing how you have to rotate those bases in terms of setting them up or where you need to set up your models so that you've got a clear path for yourself. Because 
I've done it, like, especially at the start, there's been a few times where I've I've put a base down, not really thought about it, and then I've set up a model, like a tree lord, nine inches away from something, and then I've gone, right, I'm going to charge. And then I roll it, I make the charge distance, I go to move the model, and they go, oh, I can't charge you because my base can't fit through that gap, so I'm not going to charge. Because I will never, ever do that. Like, it's my fault, and it's part of the game. It's not just a thing of going, oh, I should be able to move through here. It's like, no... It's a tactical decision. You need to make sure that you've placed them properly. And that is one of the things that makes Sylvaneth a bit of a finesse army. Um, But it gives you that strength of being able to block positioning of other models and reducing the amount of enemy models that can get into base contact with you because no models can stand in the holes of those trees. So you you need to make sure that you abide by that as well as your opponents. Um, and yeah, just because I know that I've had someone try and do that against me um, and I've seen people do it. And most of the time it's not intentional. It's just that you just move it through. But it's just something to be aware of. Um, make sure that when you're fitting those bigger models through the gaps, that you're fitting them through the right gaps and not the ones that are too small for them to fit because it's not how the army should be played. Um and yeah, it'd be great to see everyone kind of being really tight with that so that there's no kind of awkward situations on the table. But yeah, I think that's everything I wanted to add, really. Yeah, easy. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on the next show. Yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye.